0: Second, let me say that I share Senator Lieberman's outrage at the excerpts uh, that uh, we, uh, we will be viewing uh, on the TV. Mortal Kombat and Night Trap are not the kind of gifts that responsible parents give. Night Trap, which adds a new dimension of violence specifically targeted against women, is especially repugnant. It ought to be taken off the market entirely, or at the very least, its most objectionable scenes should be removed it has been quite a leap from pac-man to night trap about two months ago i saw the video game night trap for the first time it is a sick disgusting video game in my judgment it's an effort to trap and kill women shame on people that produce that trash its child abuse in my judgment and I, don't, I know there will be, be people who say, well, we sit up here as the thought police, trying to suggest what people can see or do. It's not my intention. We have some basic responsibility in this country to protect children.
1: Place. it's been a little bit but I'm here again to talk about I guess a controversial subject. We'll figure it out through this episode but I have with me one of my dearest friends through Twitter Alex uh, how are you doing tonight Alex?
2: I'm very well I'm very well. How are you doing?
1: Well <laughs> oh, I'm just doing just great I mean I'm drinking we're both drinking mm-hmm. we have we were talking beforehand just, controversy in games, you know, talking about why, you know, just all these sort of elements about games, sex and games, violence and games, Australian rating boards, you know, just the whole gamut of basically everything we're gonna talk about tonight. But uh I before we get started, I just want to you know highlight why I love your Twitter presence, your off Twitter presence in general, because we quite literally text each other every single day, you know, even though you are, uh, in Australia, like when, you know, it's my evening and you're waking up, it's like, all right, we're texting again. Uh, or if it's, I'm waking up and it's your evening, we're texting again. It, I, I truly value our little friendship through Twitter. I, we have a shared bond, uh, with, uh, men. Uh, porn (laughs) the whole gamut you know i i loved your tpn appearance talking about uh you know on the prowl and all that sort of stuff i i remember specifically listening to that episode and then just like insta buying santos by the way you and jack (laughs) described it as sweaty man pubes I was like, <laughs> "This is my kind of thing." You know, it's like the meme image of the sicko outside the window. It's like, yes. <laughs> but I, I truly love your presence. I love all the sort of, because the way you honestly seem like the greatest encyclopedia and like investig like uh, detective of all things uh, pornography, all things like movies. You're able to find. The most obscure things, you know, we'll mention some obscure things that you discovered when we were researching the games we're do- talking about tonight. I, I I love your sort of as you described it to me, your uh, Twitter presence through images. Uh, <laughs> I, but I, I really can't say enough about you. You're honestly one of my best friends through this app. Uh, it. I, and I'm just so honored and so happy that you agreed to be a part of this. So thank oh, you.
2: I know, absolutely. But like, you, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're such a sweetheart. <laughs> I try, I try. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been like a real like honor and privilege seeing this whole third place project come to fruition and, and knowing that you'd be this fantastic voice on video games and in, in this, in this community, but also really like expressing something original and new in the whole video game podcasting sphere. So it's been like really fantastic talking to you and talking and, and and you talking through (laughs) the whole podcasting project and, and seeing it come to fruition. It's been great. I know like. I knew you'd always have um, a wonderful voice on this, <laughs> I, I, based on your podcast appearances. <laughs> I'm so popular and <laughs> TPN. I knew you'd be—you'd have like a lot to say, and you'd have wonderful insight on all the stuff you have talked about so far. Oh. You have, so it's been great to see it come to fruition. And I'm—I'm—I li- I'm, really love <laughs> that you invited me on, and I can be a part of it. It's fantastic.
1: Well. Honestly, I couldn't think of a better person to discuss <laughs> the two games tonight which are Larry Sweet Leisure Sweet and Larry of uh, in the Land of the Lounge Lizards and Night Trap, two very iconic games kind of centered within a similar idea and concept which is just sort of uh adult themes or controversy in gaming. But, you know, I, I really do thank your kind words. You know, I I wanted you know, I I really do take from my my uh, I guess po- podcast parents uh, Jack Zach <laughs> Armenian David Kelby, you name it. Uh, they influence me so much, and I I you know I I kind of view this show as the young head view uh role playing as the old head. <laughs> Uh, trying to <laughs> trying to uh, speak on games in a manner of which I think everyone, not just in our sort of collective Twitter circle, c- talks about games, but as I think anybody would talk about games, like just something like things that are just cool, things that just get your mind to explore and think about this medium that, in reality, in, in comparing it to like film or music or books, it's a very young medium, but it's explored so much in such a short time where it's like, there's quite literally hundreds hundreds of thousands of games and you just can't help but be like inspired and uh, amazed by it. I mean, you know, I I think about the days of being on game trailers in like 2007, 2006, 2008, And just like having my world opened up and game trailers is going to be a recurring like uh thing (laughs) for this whole show it's quite literally where i learned everything where i got my inspirations for everything uh but enough about me i wanted to ask you specifically because i have uh I would say have reintroduced you infected you with the gaming condition as of recently <laughs> as you recently got a PlayStation 4 uh mm-hmm. and I have been feeding you games to play but I wanted to ask you sort of what is your knowledge and history with games uh
2: yeah you've, you've really been grooming me in terms of <laughs> <laughs> video games <laughs> you you like well, I was looking into, like, PlayStation 3s for a while, but in terms of, like, a oh, whole, yeah. like, region coding stuff, and, our back and I want to get the right one, our, our, <laughs> I want to ba-
1: get the right our, Like, my no, incessant textings to you be like, <laughs> okay, you need this specific <laughs> model number, uh, but I'm not sure it can play because it's technically an American model. I don't, like, I remember <laughs> that was, like, such an annoying little
2: hoops no, to go no, through in great. eBay listings, and it's like... I, I will that... get the right the right one at a certain point, but it's sort of like it's like you really do have to get the right one. You have to get the right one that's that you can play all the older games on and that will be able to play with, you know, games in my region and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I recently got a PlayStation 4 and I'm really enjoying that. I got I got to play, you know, a whole bunch of new games with um the playstation plus subscription (laughs) but i will be like which has just run out but like i will get um i just started playing um death stranding and i'm i was really enjoying the first part of that so i will have to like buy that and play it (laughs) um the first game i played though was heavy rain which i oh yeah (laughs) i remember posted about a little and i love i love it i love it it really like kicked off the whole thing because it's such a perfect little um perfect little sort of balance of these of kind of like the games we're going to talk about today the sort of narrative based linear games but that have a real sort of interactivity to them and really sort of delve into the to the to the they really really embrace the best of both worlds in terms of balancing the gamification of you know narrative filmmaking so i really so yeah, I really <laughs> that you like push me to get this um, PlayStation Four, and now I'm really enjoying what I've been able to play on them.
1: Uh, that that always makes me happy when like uh, people just say like, "Oh, I got back into gaming because of you," and I'm just like, you know, I I feel like this is my <laughs> grooming influence on people. It's always, <laughs> I, I and I love that your first game that you got was Heavy Rain because I I. Tr- Heavy Rain is such a great game. It's so it's so unique. And especially in a fit in that period where like games are trying to expand out of mm. the sort of typical mold, so to say, of like, like fighting enemies, yo, uh, all that sort of stuff. It's more about branching linear paths and having unique artistic uh, influences, like you mentioned. I remember you said it's like, yeah, this game is clearly like French extremists inspired, which makes sense because the people who made it are French and uh, their sort of games explore, honestly, things that only French people would dare to do. And it's gotten them into controversy, uh, like having uh, FKA Ellen Page... Uh, being featured in one of their games, and she's getting nude, and they had to scan her naked body, and she quote felt violated. I was like, well, sure. too bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so ridiculous that sort of stuff. But like, this has like, I think I remember I compared it to The Tall Man, which is a mm-hmm. film with Jessica Jennifer Beale Jessica Beal. Uh, I don't know, but like, it's um sort of French extremists doing American america americana and it's you know set in detroit and it's all very um you know it's rainy and miserable and very it's urban american decay yeah and it has a sort of remove because it's not like entirely dove into this sort of american psyche and american sort of realism but it's this sort of european perspective on america and it's mm-hmm. like it has that's like the best sort of interpretation of any sort of culture, of something coming from completely outside of it, and 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 it has this fantastic feeling to it that mm-hmm. you know really goes through the the
1: entire game. It, um, it, it's really, it's so because I remember I actually remember being online at that time and i remember seeing like the sort of release hype for it like seeing the occasional trailer that would just pop up and it's like Mm. a new segment of the game like madison in her apartment running around in her underwear from intruders like after she has like this uh, shower scene uh like i remember the lead up to that and just how like i even, this, even at that age where I hadn't been exposed to films, you know, of, you know, like the tall man, like you said, but just visually and the way you interacted with it just always kind of caught my attention. Like it, because mm. it, it plays so uniquely. I mean, like, I remember like hearing like, oh yeah, to move the character, you, move, you use R2 which is, like, against yeah, complete true. gaming con- conventions. <laughs> it feels like a driving game in that sense. Yeah. Uh, it, it feels so voyeuristic, too, like, especially in the opening of that game where, like, Ethan is just doing his daily routine, showering, mm. getting breakfast. He feels very, like, Tamagotchi-like, where it's, like, you're controlling your little virtu- <laughs> your virtual father as he's playing with his yeah. two sons.
2: Now that's, like, the perfect example of a sort of so like yeah fishbowl you're just sort of looking in you're not you're in control but you're not like really in control in those first few instances just sort of watching people enact their daily routine with like the sense that something is going to go wrong and i remember because this was like one of my first sort of gaming memories was watching like the trailers for this game and watching like the memes around sean rain <laughs> Jason, yeah, sort of <laughs> chasing him through the mall and everything, because I don't like have a really strong history history with video games. I remember, like, um, I think the first, like, I didn't have like a PC in my home until I was ten i think the member i remember the first game i played then was like the first proper game i played then was missed mm-hmm. but like i would get a lot of um you know like 20 and 1 dv yeah. you know cd-rom games and there'd be some couple like interesting things on there but it'd mostly be like you know like chess or whatever chess and checkers and then but like the first proper game i played was missed Mm-hmm. And that was very. That's also like very similar to the games we're talking about today, where it's very adventure based. You are sort of clicking around. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it at that point in time, like ten or eleven. I'm just yeah. like literally just clicking around and not solving any puzzles. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. in this sort of atmosphere. But I remember when Heavy Rain came out, seeing all these trailers and seeing all, like. The entire atmosphere around that was really like indulging. And I hadn't seen like any of the French extremist movies at that point. But like, that's really the atmosphere that is so sort of engaging. And then, so when I got my PlayStation 4 recently, it was like, this is the game I have to play because I have to fulfill the sort of nostalgic potential I had with it. Exactly. But, like, yeah it's sort of so much of what i'm trying to do with gaming now i was trying to like fill in those gaps i missed at certain points in time Mm -hmm. because i never really took i don't i don't want to say that i didn't take games seriously but i didn't like the idea of like serious gaming and something you've talked about previously with like japanese gaming and like the PlayStation being the serious console with adult games, mm-hmm. that was something I understood, but I didn't, I knew that was sort of foreign to me, like it was something that was, I had to like work towards at a certain point in time or something. I had to like, at, when I was young, I had, I knew I had to become like, I had to come of age and be able to understand the playstation yeah because w- when I was a um so we had a lot, a lot of we had a lot of pc games sort of stuff a lot of childhood games like um croc and all that sort of <laughs> <The> stuff Phebe <croc. laughs> like platformers but then the first console I got was the Wii and I only remember having like um we sports on that and um maybe no i remember i remember at a certain point um jailbreaking it so i could illegally download um mario party but i never had any (laughs) like (laughs) i never had any like of the like the good wii games i never had any stuff like that so, like, the idea of mature gaming, mature PlayStation gaming was always sort of a step ahead of me until mm-hmm. until now, really. Like, yeah, really until now.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, for me, as I said before earlier in other episodes of the show, it's like PlayStation was always in my house. Like, there was never a Nintendo console. Like, a PlayStation 1 just was there for me Mm. and it's like that's all i knew and even at a young age like there was always like this coolness factor with playstation it's like you know as like jack said you know like chris cunningham being a part of the advertising for playstation europe you know the mental wealth advertisements Mm. (laughs) but like there there was a certain level of like if you were cool or you were, you wanted to be an adult, you had to have a PlayStation. It's like the the different consoles at the time had their own like aesthetic branding at the time. It's like Nintendo was the kid console or the family console. PlayStation mm-hmm. was like the teenager to adult console. And then like, I guess Xbox was the college frat bro console. <laughs> like, you know, it, it I, it's always fascinating for me to like see where people come from with their gaming story because it kind of shapes how people see things like I know like you said with the Wii and I I've I will ring in to people's ears over and over again the Wii is like that was the end of gaming so quote-unquote because that's when (laughs) a console wasn't merely just a boy toy it was uh your grandparents your mom your sister all could play games with you it's like and that with and with the ds too it's like they're trying to make gaming for everyone it's like and then you look at the playstation and the xbox and it's like these are clearly systems made for teenage boys early 20s guys you know i mean the original xbox as ugly as that system is like one of my brothers had it in college like when he was in college in 2001 the original xbox came out with halo and that's where that's his like. if there's people always saying like they have allegiances to consoles like he ever since then he's been an xbox guy like i feel like if anybody was that age when they were like a young teenager like high schooler college kid and they had an xbox it's like that brand allegiance you know Mm -hmm. if you if you had a playstation early enough it's like you stuck with playstation like like for me example you know it's always kind of fascinating for me to see where people come from because it's always easy to sort of like kick down on the retarded kid of nintendo because they make (laughs) stupid (laughs) stupid decisions in my opinion But there's still cool games for the wii i won't i won't say like the wii was a void of nothingness there's cool like one game that i own right now that i always thought was cool is mad world which was a a hack and slash sin city inspired game made by a japanese developer he plays this like burly buff like guy with a (laughs) chainsaw arm and it's all about violently killing people with your environmental stuff in like a escape from new york uh fictional city like that and it used the Wii mode to interesting levels and it's it's stuff like that where it's like you know the Wii the we wasn't all shit like the Wii still had things to call like pull from like and even now like the switch as much as that like you see like all these fucking gay guys like holding their switches up and like making the soy Jack face. And it's like the, 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 as noted, the, the, the gay bears and their, uh, <laughs> the, 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 uh, questionable, uh, mental capacity, gay bear and their older <laughs> lover partner, uh where the young bear is always playing his switch with animal crossing it's like there's still cool things that come from the switch that like it's like I'm always like saying Nintendo do this cool thing like for example like as one of the games like they have Night Trap which is kind of funny when we get to Night Trap that's a kind of a funny thing but or like the, the Xenoblade series or uh, No More Heroes or Shimigami Tensei is on Nintendo game like I guess what I'm trying to say is like, there's, it's always fun to hear people's different experiences with mm-hmm. games because there's no sort of path to today for people. It's always kind of like this different story for each person. Like I'm sure if I talk to like another Twitter mutual, they're going to have a different story about how they got to today. Mm-hmm. Um, But what I, for tonight's episode, um, <laughs> This is something that I wanted to talk about for a while, which is controversy in games, which (laughs) more or less boils down to uh, games for adults, quote unquote, I guess. Um, Gaming has always sort of been a, let's say, hot button medium, because it's always easy to blame it for, like like whenever there's like a shooting in America, a school shooting, there's always this immediate reaction to blame games because it's corrupting the violent white males in this country to uh, have school shooting simulators or or they're going to beat up women and be misogynists or whatever. It's <laughs> Games are always the easy button target for the broader culture. You know, and gaming has always for the most part dealt with this issue it's not specific to the games we're talking about but you know it, it, the way i've been sort of thinking about it is like every decade even to today there's always sort of like a pearl clutching moment for the culture where it's mm-hmm. like look at these games look what they're doing to all the boys and men in our culture they're making of perverts and they're gonna beat up women and shoot up people like malls and schools it's like you know to me uh me uh, uh, a sicko uh I'm just like <laughs> games are cool because they there's the level of interactivity with games where it's like you get to live out a fantasy that's like something I mentioned on the last episode where it's like games allow you to live out a fantasy that's more I guess you could say personal than maybe a movie or uh, a show or a book where it's like a game can't happen unless you interact with it. And and you don't get to see the story or get to experience the mechanics without interaction. And I think that's always kind of like been the thing that makes games so like shocking to people. Because it's like, you have like Night Trap, which was one of the games that started this whole... Hubbub in America and even worldwide, as you've told me, with Australia getting into the this whole hubbub and everything. But like in the 2000s, there was Rockstar, which who was pushing the boundaries on everything, from Grand Theft Auto to Bully to Manhunt. Then uh, you had like the Gamergate stuff in the mid 2010s, which uh, just kind of changed gaming for the worst in many cases. I remember in 2009 how like call of duty modern warfare two was on like Fox news for its controversial, no Russian mission where you shot up in an airport in, in Europe. Uh, I remember how, I remember like how on those news broadcasts, they said like, this is, this is training young boys to be mass murderers because you just killed civilians. It's like, uh, it's always so fascinating. Like games are always the one they always, if there's something bad that happens culturally, games are immediately blamed. So I I wanted to ask your insight onto this. It's like, what makes games such a hot magnet for the culture? Why, why, how come games are so easy to blame for everything?
2: Well, I think it is that, um, that interactivity the fact that like the people assume that like when you are playing that perspective when you are playing in the in the in the eyes of someone who is you know shooting up a airport or whatever that 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 will reflect on you as the player that that will somehow or infect you as a player um that that's that there's that closeness to what you're actually viewing, that it's beyond TV, it's beyond movies, you're actually in control of the player, and that means that you are being infected by the player and what the player does and what you do as your character. and, And thus that sort of like whole sort of interactivity needs to be suppressed. But I know like, I know personally I had very sort of, like old school hippie parents <laughs> very peace and love, <laughs> very peace and love parents. And they were very like, I think the reason the first console I had was a Wii was that they were very like standoffish about the fact that like there were games that had violence in them because they would, you know, sort of, they're encouraging something the idea that they're encouraging something in the player, because you are having to enact these violence violent acts you're having to actually get involved with what is happening on screen you have that choice to um commit violence or not commit violence and really the only way to like complete these games is to commit violence especially Mm -hmm. with like the call of duty context the only way to like actually progress is you can't like just hang around and you know like put a daisy in your own Rifle, you have to actually like shoot up <laughs> an airport or whatever else. Right. But there's not, there's, a, there's the assumption, the immediate assumption that by doing that as a player, you are, you know, sort of infecting yourself with a violent impulse. That by doing that, you are becoming in and of yourself violence. You're only like one violence, you're only one step removed from um, committing that violence yourself. Like, if you shoot up an airport in a video game, you're only one step removed from actually doing that in real life. <laughs> and I think that's sort of the, the idea that, like, follows with much of the controversy around video games <laughs> and much of the controversy around violence, sex in video games, is that you're really, like, one step removed from actually doing this in actual real life. But I think, like... as like as you and I are both testament of like sort of you know this interest in sort of sicko video (laughs) game it's 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 we are like still like quite far removed from you know committing murder and rape in real life (laughs) It's (laughs) it's 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 a real fantasy to suggest that this is um this is like a one to one, yeah. Violence in video games corresponds to what you would be willing to do in real life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I like I remember being young, the at the age of young, uh, or yeah, like <laughs> being like uh, like ten, and I remember like my brother had, I remember him playing Grand Theft Auto Vice City. And it's like it's like the ps2 graphics have become just real enough where it's like any action the player does becomes sort of a reflection on the psyche of the person controlling it it's like mm-hmm. grand theft auto is like the easiest sort of target for people like i remember when i first got into games seriously i remember there was this one guy in Florida. I think he was a lawyer. His name was Jack Thompson. And he made it his life goal to get Grand Theft Auto pulled from shelves. Mm. And it was like, this game is like training people, kids and adults to shoot up people in the street, beat up hookers, have sex with prostitutes, you know, cause, you know, terrorism and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, you know, the way i view video games is they're like kind of like a therapeutic like way to exercise your sort of like i hate to say this but it's like the quote darkest part of your psyche sort of thing Mm -hmm. where it's like uh, people always say like games are sort of training they always there's always the sort of common phrase it's they're training you to be like a, a woman like abusing women they're training you to be mm. <laughs> a uh a violent psychopath they're training you to like sell drugs but like to me it's it's kind of this voyeurist I, I don't know if that'd be the correct term to say maybe but it's like allows you to like role play the seedy parts of life it's like what if I if I had total freedom? I could like pull up to the mm. si- a street corner and Grand Theft like like akin to Grand Theft Auto, get a prostitute and have sex with her in an alley, and then just go on and then like rob a bank. Like it it it. There's always this sort of like fantasy element with games where it it, it allows us to sort of like vent our sort of. Uh, it's always sort of cringe to say it's like vent our sort of darkest thoughts it's like it's like a like a stress toy it's like man if only I could have sex with someone right now but I I'm a little (laughs) I I don't have the ability to it's like okay well I have a game that lets me do this like you know it's this sort of like avenue into allowing people and when I say people it's mostly just guys because it's always, it's always, and, we'll, and this is mentioned with, like, Night Trap, and and as you showed me, it's, like, uh, Leisure Sweet Larry, it's, like, these games are, sort of, an avenue for men to, sort of, allow them to get out their, sort of, pent-up feelings, in a way, if that makes sense. It's, like, like, you told me, and we'll get to it, but it's, like, larry games were like popular at like offices because a lot of these guys were like getting sort of their quick hit of sex that was kind of in a cute humorous way or night trap i mean night trap's kind of a unique case but it's like i know so many guys who would just like boot up call of duty so they could just like be the coolest rambo character ever and Hmm. It's funny how like I, I you know bringing up that Modern Warfare Two level, you can skip that. By the way, you can skip that mission in the game. They actually give you an option saying, "No, I'll skip this," and you can actually like not shoot anybody in the game. Like it, <laughs> you can actually sh- not shoot anybody in this level, and it'd be okay. But like, I would say ninety nine percent of the people who did play it shot up everyone in the airport. It's like this. Games have this sort of like magic to them where it's like I it, it's kind of a role-playing situation where it's I get to enact the sort of uh parts of life that I can't get to do. And I get mm-hmm. to sort of believe that I am the avatar on the screen. I get to believe I'm Leisure Sweet Larry roaming around uh the town with $94 in my pocket. Uh, trying to just have sex, like yeah. trying to find my way, allowed... you go.
2: Yeah. You're allowed to briefly inhibit sort of this personality that you understand. Isn't your own. Like mm-hmm. you understand inherently that like when you <laughs> shoot up an airport and call of duty, that you're not actually doing that in real life. And, oh, yeah. and you understand inherently that when you play as Leisure Suit Larry, you're not Larry Laffer, you're not you're like, you're not actually like this sort of pathetic, um, <laughs> sexy <laughs> character. <laughs> but you're like, you, 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 you want to, you want to, the games allow the sort of freedom and they allow the sort of ability to even if you lose the game when you do it to sort of push the limits and, you know, jump off the ledge and um, do anything you possibly can within this sort of interactive medium and i think as a play you understand that 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 is not real you understand that that is you're sort of coming up against a limit of reality and you're coming yeah. up against you know the the the, the ultimate limits of reality in terms of death and sort of resurrection and all that sort of stuff you know that what you're doing isn't real and you know that what you're doing isn't doesn't have any sort of real world impact but you know that because this game allows you to play around with sort of the limits of reality you you are going to and you're going to toy with it and you're going to push the limits and that's what makes them sort of so so fun because you can just sort of restore it at a certain point and get back to where you came from and then, you know, complete the mission to sort of its most moral extent, but you have that ability to toy with and play with reality without it actually having any impact on the, on the real world.
1: Yeah, that's such a good point. It's like, you know. whenever a pearl clutcher comes around about games they always like to say like you know men in it because straight up you know games even as today as women have infected gaming in the last (laughs) 10 years it's like games are instinctively a guy's medium like oh yeah people understood and still do like even with today it's like Boys and guys play games, girls, mm.
2: and all the restrictions are about suppressing men and boys, which we'll get to. Yeah, but like it,
1: it's all about
2: they understand men play games and they understand men and boys play games, and they know that restricting games and restricting what limits games can do is a way of restricting men and boys.
1: Yeah, and like they always like to say how games as we as we've said it's like games are trying to train men and boys into being perverts like school shooters but like and you know i i remember being younger and like you know in high school early college and it's like well actually uh games actually are a great way for guys to relieve stress which is true i mean I, me personally it's like i turn on a game to like just forget like a bad day at work like mm-hmm. you know i can boot up anything and it's just like well i'm in my happy zone so to say like mm-hmm. you know in the games we talk about tonight it kind of like feeds into that like granted you and i because we're like the same age i think i'm 27 you're 26 if i remember correctly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like we technically aren't Connected to the games because they literally came up before we were born, but they clearly were made to sort of be a relief for guys. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're burdened, you're beaten down by like sort of the uh, corporate world or whatever. It's like, well, now I get to live the fantasy of being Larry Laffer trying to get 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 in the hot tub with Eve and uh feed her the apple, sort of say <laughs> it's like it uh, it's always with these controversies. it's like they it's like trying to restrict the sort of instinctual male thought process in a way. it's like mm-hmm. I, I like one of the games it that you know I think you and I have a little bit of a connection with is bully, which is mm-hmm. it's often described as sort of like. A teenage GTA where you play as like a schoolyard kid and you get to like roam around the little school campus, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. Uh and it's like even that game gets like derided for even though it's rated teen, like it's teen, it's for 13-year-olds and up, you know, whatever. But even that game sort of gets like a sort of finger wagging from like feminists or women in general, like sort of. Deni- like it's like this denial that like guys want to sort of vicariously live through these interactive uh, experiences where it's like i'm going to keep saying where uh where it's like or something i don't know i've, I've had like three vodka sodas i don't care uh, <laughs> uh but it, the point being is like games allow us to sort of escape into situations in an where it's fantasy with a tad like a touch of reality so to say like i mentioned in the mirror's edge episode with zach it's like realism is now in the control in your controller so to say it's like you're able to sort of navigate worlds that are real and i would even say the world of like the first larry game has some reality to it it's like you know guys want to you know, fuck, so to say, <laughs> you know, it, I. It, it's every sort of chance games get, it's like any time a game kind of pushes the boundaries of quote-unquote acceptability in culture, it's like suddenly now they are the focal point of why what is wrong with guys in society. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, Grand Theft Auto is the easiest example because it's the biggest franchise, and it's you play as male characters, and the audience is almost predominantly exclusively male, and you get to live out sort of this male fantasy of being the best sort of gangster in American cities, as viewed by Europeans, by the way, because Rockstar is made by Scottish people. Uh, <laughs> like it's people just can't help when can't take when men of all ages have a sort of freedom to express themselves i guess you know yeah. even from a game so very rudimentary and archaic like larry or a- another rudimentary rudimentary archaic game like night trap it's like people can't take the fact that like guys have this sort of freedom and in you know and i say you know let men do what they fucking want sort of thing
2: <laughs> yeah let men be men <laughs> and i mean like the first yeah like the first controversial game i noticed as a kid was bully and like that instantly attracted me to it the idea of well i'll be honest the protagonist is like you know like <laughs> Do I want to go further? The protagonist is the sort of ideal, like, you know, like, cute boy. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, what I, I wanted bo- to be at that, yeah. that point of time.
1: But I think the bully <laughs> protagonist, he looks almost exactly like you. Like...
2: Oh, well, that's very sweet to say. Because that's like... <laughs> that's like the... That was like, sort of like what I was like... I wanted to be as that point at that point in time. But I remember, <laughs> I, remember, I, remember I remember bully was like I remember bully is like this <laughs> controversial game and I remember the first time I got to play it at, at a friend's house and I remember being kind of like confused like why is this so controversial? Why was this like on the brink of being banned in Australia? And I didn't really understand, but it's sort of it is what you talked about, this like idea of letting men be men and letting men actually explore the sort of parts of their psyche that are really normal, but aren't harmful in any way, but are kind of, you know, they encroach upon sort of sexual and violent tendencies that don't actually hurt anyone, but are, it's know, just, uncomfortable and make people uncomfortable
1: it's just the it, idea that a game could encroach upon
2: that is something that has to be sort of suppressed it really has to be suppressed and it and throughout the history of gaming that is really what is suppressed
1: yeah the it, idea that
2: men and boys can enact these sort of fantasies.
1: Yeah, it, it's people uh, you know it uh, it's easy to just sort of like be like point and say women don't get it but women don't get it it's like Women don't get it. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, they just can't let us just have our own thing. It's like women have to invade every male space, and yeah. you know, like, like if you. Uh, I like, you know, I think about like there's Barbie games. It's like you can play that. Let me play my cool games that you wouldn't get. Or <laughs> you know, you play on your like Twitch streams and you pretend to understand. It's like, just let me have my cool games, you know? Yeah. Like I you know, and uh, I think this kind of leads us perfectly uh into our first game, Leisure Sweet and Larry in the land of the lounge lizards
0: what in point of fact these manufacturers are doing are endorsing that violence and I think that's really objectionable and a woman since the day I was born and let me tell you on all three all my labels and all the hats I wear I find that so extremely offensive and the only word you can say to the manufacturers and the shareholders of the company is shame on you and I think that they really should um, stop and think about what they're doing I mean, how would you like to have a teenage daughter go out on a date with someone who's just watched or played three hours of that game?
1: Oh, man. and we're back, I just (laughs) guess.
2: I don't know if I said it, but I'm really having a good
1: time as well. (laughs) I'm so glad. I always... There's always such a fun talking with my girlies. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's... I mean, the, the, the basis of, like, I feel like every guy can relate to like you know their friends. It's like they can just talk for hours about games because it's specifically such a guy thing to talk about your favorite games.
2: Yeah, well, I like... didn't like. I didn't say this in like the history section, but the reason I like, like, I feel like comfortable saying <laughs> saying this because of the last um, I'm so popular episode. But, you know, I didn't have a great time in high school. But <laughs> the reason I made <laughs> I made friends towards the end of high school was via, like, video games. And I would I, play, like, literally. Like, I, I would play Left 4 Dead with oh, my friends too. in high school. I did and too. it was, like, that's the reason I made friends in high school. No, and and, and these people and, are, like, people I still talk to. And, and, day.
1: and that's the thing, especially <laughs> for us as gay guys, like... Games were such a way for us to connect to straight guys. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. for 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 me, <laughs> it was Modern Warfare two because all my friends mm-hmm. played it, and like that's the way. I, like I remember literally sleepless nights where like we would play to five in the morning <laughs> online, and it was just like we would yeah. be in voice chats, like inter- interrogating people and making them mad, like that. <laughs> uh, you know, as a as a homosexual. <laughs> uh you know like games are are literally especially if you're younger it's like that's a way for you to sort of like break into the straight guys and like talk to them about things like Mm. they because that's all they talk about is games like other than Mm. like you know talking about a girl they like they talk about you know the call. You know, for our age, it's like they talk about the Call of Duty they're playing and the Call of Duty that's coming out. And it's like, it's like, oh, did you see that? Yeah, I played a game last night and I got twenty five kills in a row. It's like, it's like, yeah, cool, dude. I love your kill streak. Can I suck your dick now?
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, literally, literally, it was like, this is a way I can talk to people I both want to be friends with, but also, also like. <laughs> I want to like, you know, suck the dick off. (laughs) It (laughs) It was always like, yeah. Like gaming is what even there's a part of me like that wants to like separate myself from that point of time with me gaming. Like, I don't know if I can say that, like I was fully invested in it, but I was like I was, I really was because I was getting these games. I was playing them with my friends online and I was having like a really fantastic time and That's, this is the way I was connecting with these straight guys. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, <laughs> and I love that you you said Left 4 Dead because I, I fucking love I love Left 4 Dead so much like it's uh-huh. the, it's like the best co-op multiplayer game ever to me like I I remember getting so into it that I learned how to like do glitches in the game so that like I could <laughs> I could like literally live for like 30 minutes in survival mode like oh man I want I want to do I'm talking about a Half-Life 2 later on in like a few weeks but I I want to I want to do like an episode for every Valve game cuz Valve games have I have such a personal connection to Valve uh Half-Life Portal Left 4 Dead Team Fortress 2 like there's yeah I feel like if you're If like our age, especially with early YouTube, it's like Valve games were so prominently featured on YouTube, like people just using Gmod to make like weird animations Mm. uh, that were just so absurdist and crazy. It's like for a 13 year old me, I was like, this is the funniest shit I've ever seen.
2: (laughs) I mean, I think that was really my introduction to gaming was all that sort of machinima, like movies in video games sort of stuff that was like like all the gmod stuff and i remember i played i i like you know i've played portal and i played portal 2 and i played half-life 2 and i played oh um portal i just said that I played... <laughs> <laughs> you went portal 2 played... to portal <laughs> <laughs> i played um Left for dead and i played um team fortress that was like really the stuff that like introduced me to gaming and that was
1: that yeah. was
2: like such a it was such an expansive and explorative time in gaming it felt and there's yeah. so much that could be done within that area and it so i had so much fun in that area
1: yeah man i remember portal 2 because i had a playstation 3 and that's how i played it And I remember, Mm -hmm. because that came out right when PlayStation Network was hacked, and it was down for a month, and Portal 2 was like the only thing you could play, or at least for me, because that was like the only (laughs) game I cared about at that time. Mm -hmm. And PlayStation Network was hacked, and like 70 million, including my personal information, I'm pretty sure, was hacked (laughs) and sold to like, uh, who knows what. But I remember that period, like, just i'll I'll save that for the valve episodes, but like <laughs> i I truly when valve was at their most cultural, powerful moment in games, it really was a special moment, especially mm-hmm. for, I think people who were cognizant of that point and played them religiously, like me and you. It's like if people if you if you get it, you get it sort of thing. like you get why. Mm-hmm half-life mm-hmm. 2 is so eternal as a game or portal left 4 dead 1 and 2 portal 2 team fortress 2 gmod uh counter strike you name it like from like literally the 2010s like for me is valve like even as somebody who got to valve in the late 2000s it's like culturally valve was the 2000s to me like mm. there's the playstation op 2 obviously it's like playstation 2 valve sort of thing it's like you can't escape it uh thing but to to go off dick sucking from earlier le- <laughs> <laughs> Leisure sweet and larry in the land of the lounge lizards was a point and click adventure game first released <clears throat> on july 5th 1987 uh it later got a sort of re-release uh, four years later, uh, and it eventually it got remade in 2011. But the original game was released for the MS DOS. The uh, it was ported to like the Apple II, the Amiga, like basically the early computers of the day. It was um it was developed by the very famous developer of that time sierra entertainment or sierra online uh who famously was known at that period for their king's quest series um which was of that sort of same ilk of a point click adventure game um sierra was famously uh founded by a very lovely couple (laughs) uh ken and roberta williams who uh who worked on their games like roberta would be the writer and ken would be the programmer and in many ways sierra defined this very primitive part of pc gaming when really pc gaming was not really as it is today where it was very much a hobbyist thing you know pc gaming at the time really was an enthusiast market back then in the eight in the 80s you know you know, I, when you look at the first Leisure Sweet Larry game, it's like originally the game only sold 4,000 copies. And like mm-hmm. the creator of the series, Owl Low, he's like, yeah, I thought this game was a failure at the time. Like, <laughs> but like, uh, Leisure Sweet Larry, uh, has sort of to me, like, he, the him and his games are very, a like a very gamer game sort of series it's like if you know you know sort of thing um Mm -hmm. but i'm you know we're focusing on the first game but we kind of are speaking of the series at large but leezer sweet and larry in the lounge of the lounge lizards which is such a tongue twister to say (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it follows a a man a, a man named larry laffer as he is trying to get lucky in the American City of Lost Wages um and the game is literally about him trying to lose his virginity uh uh he's often just de- he's often described as like a loser and kind of like dorky uh he wears sort of a uh I'm blanking on the movie name I feel so bad for it's the John Travolta movie in the 70s uh, um, Saturday Night Fever Yeah he he's wearing like that sort of white suit and pants (laughs) outfit. Like, you know, he's, he's clearly from the seventies sort of aesthetically. Uh, but he, and he always, when he's walking and these are, he's got a little jive walk, you know, he's got Mm -hmm. his, he's pumping his arms. (laughs) Uh, but the game is very simple. It's, uh, you can only interact this game with text inputs. Uh, uh, so if you want to interact with the world, you have to like say, "All right, sit down," or "Pick up candy," or that sort of thing. It it was very sort of early PC gaming, <clears throat> and just these sort of text adventure games were sort of the popular medium because what people don't understand back then is PCs, unlike today, were very primitive compared to their console counterparts, like the the NES, the Sega Master System you know, those systems were designed for games in mind. These PCs were designed for work in mind. So you're telling these very primitive machines like to interact with a game experience. And really the only way they could do it, literally because, for example, like they couldn't do like a Mario because the computers couldn't uh, create like scrolling worlds, like a scrolling screen. They had to be individual screens, Uh So you had to interact with text or just sort of pointing and clicking on the screen, telling Larry to go a certain way. But, you know, the game kind of roughly takes place across one night. And as I said before, it's about Larry Laffer uh, trying to lose his virginity as a (laughs) 38-year-old. So uh, my experience with this game is really kind of just... I remember emulating, and I remember it being a pain in the fucking ass because it's a DOS game, and you're telling modern Windows computers to like emulate DOS, and that is an experience in of itself. Uh, but I remember always kind of enjoying the persona of Larry, being the sort of goofy, wanting sex, and the sort of fictional setting that is kind of like designed for his pleasure but he is just kind of like a dork and i i I, like i've always loved that these sort of games existed and had their sort of following uh and so i was curious what your experience with not you know these the first game you know lounge lizards but as a whole uh so yeah
2: (laughs) well i remember like when you sort of first mentioned um Leisure Suit Larry is like a potential for like an episode. I remember it was sort of similar to when like Jack mentioned Peter Sodos for an episode where it's sort of like this was something that was in the back of my mind but it's something that I haven't actually played. I don't know where it came from but it's something I knew about and when I first well I first got them through um, I first played actually played the games through GOG, uh-huh. Um <laughs> which, so I, I I played part of the first game and I played part of the second game and I played part of the third game. Um But like, I remember have, I have already, I've always heard of Leisure Suit Larry, I don't know, I can't remember exactly from where, I kinda, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's probably likely because I've always been interested in the idea of like, controversial media and controversial films and controversial video games. I likely heard of it surrounding that sort of idea. But yeah, this was the first time I played Leisure Suit Larry, knowing that this was something that had been around for a long time. This is sort of um, precipitated a lot of the contro- controversies around video games, like the idea that the 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 entire basically basic idea that games were controversial, is something that follows Leisure Suit Larry. It's sort of it's something that um, Leisure Suit Larry proceeds because Leisure Suit Larry was like this game for nerds, basically. Like mm-hmm. you had to, you had to know, you had to know about Leisure Suit Larry. You had you couldn't just stumble upon it. You had to know about it. You had to like, literally ring up at Sierra Online, ring up and get ordered this game because they were ordering direct-to-consumer. They didn't really have many sort of... um, Dedicated outlets that would... Yeah, that would sell um, the game. So you had to know, or you had to, like, pirate it from a friend, copy it from a friend. Um, um, But, yeah, like playing it for the first time. I mean, my experience with it is just that like, I don't know how anyone beat these games in the first place. Yeah, it's it's so uh, confounding. Like these early adventure games, it's such that's such a level of like you really have to This is what makes them fun, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is what makes them fun is a sort of like complete and total dedication. To these games this is why they were like so popular with secretaries apparently because you literally had if you could like literally spend no more time than on these games you could beat them but like the idea of beating these games with a walkthrough without a walkthrough is like is clowning. nightmarish like these are like pt it's sort of like <laughs> i don't know how you fucking beat these games at all because it's such a like everything is possible like you could do literally fucking everything you can mess it up at any point in time if you have sex with the wrong person if you give the wrong person a rose you're fucked for the rest of the game (laughs) you don't even know you don't even you don't even know until the point that you are fucked like the reason i haven't like finished any of the first three games is because I fucked it up at some point in time. And I didn't know until like 20 points down the line. I've already saved like five times since then. And I can't <laughs> get past that point. But like, these are, Leisure Suit Larry 1 is entirely a confounding game that I couldn't finish. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, well, it, it's like, okay, like a common trope of adventure games of this ilk, you know, I think of like double fine games like Grim Fandango and oh god there's another one I'm blanking on it has like a weird name too but these sort of adventure games are noted for their like obtuseness where it's like you have to know how to like interact with the game world in order to progress it's like um there, there's like this common joke with these games where it's like you have to combine and, and granted larry doesn't have this in its original version but like there's a thing where you have to like combine very bizarre items together in order to progress like to just i remember there's one <laughs> double fine game where it's like you have to combine like bizarre items to just cl- make a ladder to talk to somebody because they're just mm. higher up than you like it, it, it they're, like this is really sort of an archaic point in games and especially for an archaic medium like the PC gaming medium as we know today where it's like people are spending thousands of dollars on customizing gaming rigs i mean i i, you know, I have one myself i have a gaming pc where it's like there's a, there's an easier sort of Even though there's some sort of level of knowing how to build a computer, but there's like PC gaming has a defined culture now where it's like building your custom rig to play the games at the highest graphic quality and, you know, everything like PCs allow you to do everything sort of thing. But back in the day, like these games were trying to run on like computers that were designed for like business you know sort of like the ibms the you know and sure there was computers made for games like the commodore and the amigas and sort of thing but these computers compared to like the nintendo entertainment system the sega master system they really were so far behind you know you know people take for granted nowadays it's like the like super mario brothers or like zelda are very complicated games that P- pcs quite literally for a brief point in time couldn't run until uh id software came into the game where they figured out how to program to do these like platformer side scroller games where, where like the background is moving with you sort of mm-hmm. thing they had to learn how to do this for computers that didn't like fry these computers uh mm-hmm. and it kind of reflects in this first larry game uh like cuz there's only like five areas you can really sort of interact with the game there's the bar lefty's bar you have the convenience store the casino uh the chapel and like sort of the penthouse i think is like the five main areas of the Mm. game it's you really see the limitations of this period but what i love about these larry games even with their sort of like primitive nature there is a heart to this game like because the game was created by al Lowe, and it's kind of funny like reading sort of his view of the game he thought like he had wasted you know this is back in the day you can make games in a few months but he said like i thought i wasted six months of my life making this because like it's <laughs> like there's people there's like a sierra employee who quit because of this game mm-hmm. like uh retailers would refuse to either sell or advertise this game like it but even through you know and this, you know, before word of mouth have caught wind of this game and it became a success, it's, you really can sense like a very tender and sweet heart to this game that I don't really only men can understand, which is like, mm. I want to get laid. And like, yeah. <laughs> it, it it really is playful with its sort of goals in the game, even with the sort of, you know, you have to like, let's say, pick up the right condom from the convenience store or (laughs) you know making sure you grab like the candy and the ring so you convince this one girl to have sex with her but she wants to get married and you have to get a (laughs) hundred dollars and the only way you can get money in this game is gambling (laughs) like yeah there's a very sweet heart to this game like you know it really does feel like a labor of love which i think i think with many games you can sense when a developer even nowadays as games are becoming these hundreds even thousand develop team member teams you can sense when a game really means something to developers where they pour their heart and soul into it and Uh, Larry and the lounge lizards like you can really feel that like they're they're super playful with scenarios they're playful with the whole concept in general like a 38 year old virgin and like (laughs) you know in the opening part of the game because the whole point of the game is really to just get to one girl at the end this very hot girl with giant boobs who's like waiting for you in a hot tub like that's really the ultimate end game of the game like just Mm -hmm. to get to her and you had to sort of progress your way like it's kind of like a rising element of different girls in society you have the the unnamed prostitute then you have fawn who's like kind of just like trying to play you for everything then you have uh (laughs) faith who's the plucky receptionist who you give her like uh, sex pills or whatever it, but like <laughs> and then you progress to Eve who is like sort of the pinnacle of like Larry's desires mm. and I, it's you know in retrospect this game if you know what to do this game takes like an hour an hour and a half to beat but I I, I sit here now it's like I, I love this sort of earnest sweetness at this game's core it's like people can't you know people just see like oh it's just a sex game you want to see boobs and tits and you want to have sex and you know and this is a game from 1987 and you do see like a sex. i say in quotes sex scene where instead of like you seeing yourself having sex with these girls it just puts a big like censored over them but you know what's happening like obviously that's the whole point of the game but like i don't know like i'll you know, these were back in the days when games dev teams were like five to 10 people and knowing, you know, it's just like Owl Low really, really had a, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just a very cute game to me. Like,
2: you mm. know, they,
1: they're, they're super playful with double entendres and puns <laughs> and just scenarios. Like there's the blow up doll at the end of the game. <laughs> You know, there's uh, getting tied by f- uh, Fawn in the bed. There's, you know, there like I mentioned, like Faith getting, you know, the, you know, her pills. So and she goes to fuck her boyfriend. Like, <laughs> it's a very just a cute game. Like, I I can't help but just like think this primitive ass game where like boobs and asses are drawn like as very just comically big things, and it's like. So this is so sweet. It's so cute.
2: It's so it's it really is so like utterly earnest. Like I think I remember reading something about Arlo saying that he would only make this kind of game if Larry Laffer was kind of a pathetic figure. And he is kind of pathetic in terms of like he can't get laid. And the whole idea is that like, and that that pursues throughout the three of the games that I've played, is that he can never like really fully be satisfied up until the very end of the game. And that's how you win, when he like loses his virginity in the first game or manages to reach climax in the other games. But like, he's really like, it's not, it's not malicious in any way. And that makes it very sort of male in that like, he wants sex, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's always like some sort of <laughs> you know hideous <laughs> machination of women getting in the way. Like in the first game, it's really like overt where um, Fawn is, you know, this real money grubbing whore <laughs> where she won't <laughs> have sex, <laughs> sex with him until they get married and then when they do get married, she ties him to a bed and robs him, and you know doesn't give him anything he wants. And the only way you can get beyond that is by like eventually finding your way to Eve. And like I never got, I never got beyond the the first time you reach the casino, the first time you get the taxi. But like I can imagine you like you could play these games for hours and hours and hours and hours and that's the reason i imagine they're so popular with officers and so popular with secretaries is that you could literally spend days playing these games yeah yeah and I... like you would lose at a certain point i read on the wikipedia that you would lose like after seven hours Larry like, your like, would like literally fucking kill himself <laughs> yeah, no, it, got yeah no, up if you if you hours. can't if you can't get like to, i think it says
1: you can't get to the first prostitute like and you get past like sunrise larry just shoots himself in the head <laughs> as there's like a cute it's little very, smiling sun in the background it's it's very like, relatable it, it's like literally it's like you know it's like i can't like yeah it's like i can't get like just some action at the bar it's like fuck man what i can't do anything i'm it's, it's it's so relatable but like like you said it's so it's so engrossing merely by the fact that it's so like rigid in how you want to progress like yeah you have to we know really want him
2: to succeed
1: yeah like he really is such even though like the game wants to sort of tease and poke at how he's like a virgin and all this he's stuff. Charming. He's so yeah. Charming. Yeah. He's, he's, he's doing his little jive walk through the game. Like, <laughs> like he, he really, he, he really <laughs> thinks he, he thinks he's the, he's the, he's the guy he's, you know, he's the, in his, in his Saturday night fever, like disco outfit. and, i like you think of like i think of the font the segment with fawn where you're doing like the disc the dance on the dance floor and it's like oh, so yeah, it's comedic just... where he like throws her into <laughs> the ceiling to do hit bust a move and he catches her but of course all this little whore thinks about is like i want to get married but you have to pay oh, for man, it
2: she's, she's so evil yeah literally like <laughs> because it, I, he like really cares about her she he really wants her but he really cares about her and the entire point of the game and this is something that repeats throughout the first three games that you play is that you're getting enough money to like you know like convince this woman to have sex with you and she always like you know abandons abandons you at the last moment and he never reach climax and like because very- something our low says about like he would only make this game if larry was like a pathetic character where it wasn't like you know you know ultra masculine or ultra whatever yeah, if you wasn't the like end point you always get like you always get betrayed by a woman yeah it feels <laughs> it's so it real it feels so <laughs> it feels real so
1: especially real. nowadays with the <laughs> influx of e-girls just like oh, man like just espousing how precious and uh, expensive their pussies are it's like exactly like it, even al low in his you know his very it, especially seeing like pictures of him his very sweet <laughs> like uh rob reiner like big bear appearance like he's he gets it and it feels yeah you know, Larry, the l- land of the lounge lizard still feels so relevant it's like you see all these like very Maybe not now because like straight guys are so just like whipped into like uh worshiping you know women's holes, but it's like, (laughs) like it's so perfect as like a like um, like allegory, I guess, of just like man, guys are just trying their hardest to get some action, but like Mm. women. Women and all their deceitful little tricks just like want to like fuck with you. And it really only takes to, it really only happens when either you have the unnamed prostitute at the beginning, or even even then, like Larry's just like, I don't feel satisfied, but thank goodness I wore a condom. (laughs) You know, but it really only takes until he gets to Eve, who's this just, for lack of a better way to say, she's a bimbo. Like, she is so entranced by Larry. Like, all you have to do to, like, win her over is turn off her, the bubbles in the hot tub and give her an apple as she, like, sexually eats the apple. And the game describes, like, her tongue wrapping around the apple in, like, bits of it. And I love how the game's like, you never knew how an apple could be... Uh, eating an apple could be so sexual. Like, it, 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 I love how, like the perfect woman in the eyes of larry is just like a bimbo who like is so fantasized by him just giving her an apple like mm. which obviously is like a play on words eve apple whatever who you know uh, is uh, there's some themes and symbolism in this game but, <laughs> but like you know i i love how it doesn't take the most it, it literally like if I were to compare this, this game to like today, it's like the e-girl pussy can't compare to just some like Stacy in real life.
2: <laughs> he's so, yeah. Like he's so genuine. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really like covert women. Well, he like covets women, but he doesn't like, he's not so engrossed with a specific woman that like he like destroys his entire life for her but he just wants you know he just wants to get ladies just wants sex and there's always something in his way I, like the only game that i only got ever got like particularly far in was the third, third one and with that one like um every time you have sex you get you know interrupt us. you get sort of, <laughs> you, <laughs> know, you can never, you can never reach climax. You can never quite get to the point where you're truly satisfied. That's all Larry wants. And there's not so much to ask for. But yes. It's presented as like <laughs> this, you know, complete impossibility for poor Larry
1: Lampo. I just I try his best. I, i would love like a modern leisure suite larry but it's like all the girls are just the varieties of twitter e-girls it's like you have the discount I mean, dasha like the... you have the discount entirely the
2: women entirely the women who like pull larry along now and he's sort of i mean cool little e-girls
1: you know the you know i the... <laughs> like I really, there was no way today that like a Larry game could be made with this sort of genuine sweetness (laughs) and earnesty because they would probably just (laughs) view him as like a fucking loser. Like, like, yeah, but not like from just, you know, the older games view him as a quote loser, but like he has a heart to it. But like if they were to do a Larry game now, because like the last Larry game to come out was like two years ago. Uh, which is a wet dreams dot dry twice uh Mm -hmm. he uh, and granted i don't know much experience with it but it's like larry is more or less just sort of like the butt of a joke and not sort of just like he's not like an avatar for all of us where it's just like Mm -hmm. i i literally i feel like i can speak for just gay guys and straight guys it's like we just want to come or something like yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like nowadays, like if, especially if like you had a woman writing the game, they would, they would just like, uh, he's just, you know, he's such a pervert, like sort of thing. Yeah. They don't, they don't understand that like sex or the wanting of sex is like, like, uh, just a natural instinct in guys. And it's like, there's like a, like a beautiful emotional core to it all. Like, yeah. There's... I d- you go, sorry. Oh, go on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the way how Lowe describes it is like the sort of... He describes it as like, I wouldn't work on this game unless it was like this pathetic character. But it's totally genuine. Like, you could maybe describe these impulses as pathetic, but they're totally genuine, these, ty- these yeah, impulses I- towards sex and t- towards pleasure. And there's nothing, there's really nothing wrong with that. And the way that like the first game and all the games really depicts it as like, it's always like hideous women (laughs) getting in, getting in the way of what should be like this really easy, easily fulfilled impulse. Yeah. But because of these women, they can't, Larry can't satisfy himself. He can't like get beyond being a 38 year old confirmed bachelor. He can't, <laughs> he can't, he can't, he can't come. And f- because of that, he has to like, keep going on his little adventures <laughs> until he yeah. reaches his final point of climax, I,
1: I, but there's
2: nothing wrong with that. There's really nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah. It's, I, Obviously. I, I, you know. I mean, it's like, I can relate to Larry. It's just like, (laughs) you know, I don't know. It's just like, it's like we all want to just get it on, so to speak. Yeah. And I love how, like, Larry kind of originates from, like, a very early text adventure game. I think it's like soft porn adventures or something. Like, I remember you showed me last night uh the box art for it and it's clear as day like basically larry is kind of like a remake of that game where mm-hmm. it's like you know you have to you have to like please a woman to every sort of little thing that they want like i love how in this first Larry game that each woman has is like a different woman in society. You have like the, the unnamed prostitute, or it's just like, yep. uh, Yeah. Just get a quick bang in and that's it. But like, you know, that (laughs) doesn't fulfill you, but then you find (laughs) Fawn who in the first game, I want to say is just probably inspired by like Farrah Fawcett. Maybe she kind of looked like that to Mm. me with the, like, you know, her hair, especially, um, But, like, Fawn has her own sort of, like, you know, she wants everything in life, and she wants, you know, she wants a diamond ring, she wants candy, she wants, you know, all sorts of things, and turns out she's just a bitch. (laughs) like. (laughs) And then you have Faith, who's that receptionist who's, you know, very true to her name, where she won't leave her boyfriend for you. But you give her like pills that make her horny, and like she's like, "Oh my god, I'm so enthralled in this. I'm gonna go get give these pills to my boyfriend." And like she leaves, and it's like she literally takes up like ten minutes of the game. And like Larry's just like, "Well, I guess that just happened." Uh, (laughs) uh, Like man, like Larry. These Larry games are like they're very. i i don't know like i literally like what you said it's just they're so cute like they're very sweet and i can even even as a gay guy it's like i can relate to this man who yeah just it's like just like one of the sort of innate urges in all of us it's like we just want to fuck like yeah we and we want we want something we want like the like ideal perfect person for larry it's eve who's this you know big tit bimbo who's just (laughs) she's like literally just she's horny for him the entire time especially in the remake from a decade ago she's like literally just dripping over just the entire presence of larry uh which by the way i love her tits in the remake like she is just giant knockers like and you just see her, her nipples like fully in frame like yeah I like that. i i i and you know that remake too is really fun just because al low had involvement in it and mm-hmm. you know i love how he makes a cameo in the game is he, he's like thanks for playing this game and i hope you support the sequel like we're making <laughs> uh uh you know it i you know, it's funny to think about games from this period. It's like, this is pre-ratings board gaming where it's like mm. developers were kind of sort of more or less up. It was kind of up to them to sort of put uh, like a barrier between kids playing this. No, granted, I don't think a kid would play this game because they probably didn't know how no. to operate a fucking computer. <laughs> Especially, Never. you know, back <laughs> then. And th- yeah. that's another thing I love about the original Larry's. They have the quiz. Uh, to determine oh, yeah. if you are really that age to play that's the like game. The most
2: confounding part of the entire game. I didn't. I didn't get to try like different ages to see if there were different questions. I. I think it but, like, does. Having all these 70s based <laughs> questions based on putting like my age in is twenty six. It's sort of like I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> Some of them were easy. Some of them were like really like baseball based. <laughs> and I didn't know what the fuck they were talking about No, there's there's a but question like... about
1: Joan Rivers in the game like... <laughs> yeah
2: what's there's one about like Angela Davis being sort of like a you know like fizzy head ape or something <laughs>
1: <laughs> no my favorite question is like what's the best pickup line it's like well for a fat girl you sure don't sweat much
2: yeah <laughs> that was good
1: like I, I love you know I you will know, we'll get in a second with Night Trap, but it's like, I love how that this is the way that Sierra Online said, this is the way that we prevent kids from getting on because kids don't know who the fuck Joan Rivers is. Like, yeah. was well, it's like but, this
2: really weird sort of like, well, one of the things that surrounds Leisure Suit Larry is this like um, complete, um, you know, attitude of lackadaisical piracy in that this game was widely pirated and that's one of the reasons like it made a lot of money in the end just because it spread spread by word of mouth via yeah yeah piracy but like one of the reasons they get around it they like stop pirates is by putting in all these questions and prompts that relate to points in a manual that you wouldn't get unless you actually bought the game mm-hmm. but there were all these sort of like questions to start up yeah um what well, the, the, the interesting in this thing in the third game is well the, so the first game you can only play it if you like pass these questions in the second game um you have to like consult the manual to get the like the right codes to get the right number to play the game Um, and then you, from there, you can set like a risque level (laughs) where you can like have a, have a, have more saucy material if you like set it higher than that in the third game, you have a mixture of the both where if you pass the questions, enough of the questions, you can get like the highest risque level and the highest sort of sexual content, but if you only get like a couple, right. You can still play the game, but it's gonna be like really toned down. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cute. Where, yeah. But like, you you can play this game if you're like fourteen, but like, you won't get the full get, experience. Like, you won't so. get any boobs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like eighteen-bit boobs. Yeah. That the, would be, the the, <laughs> to the your
1: fifty-six of whatever <laughs> color boobs. Uh, man, I, I. I guess, you know, with the Larry games, I guess to wrap it up, uh, it's like, I... Larry Larry games are just so cute. Like, you can't... You really... I I guess for us, as guys, it's like, we can't hate this, because it's like, Larry speaks to all of us. It's like, you know, Larry's kind of drawn as a caricature of, like, the bachelor you know the player or whatever it's like he's he's meant to sort of be like on the surface level viewed as like kind of like a joke but like within that joke it's like he's the sweetest guy ever and you want to root for him but you know i guess to go off of the ratings board system. I can't really think of another way to segue into our section about our last game, which is Night Trap. Night Trap.
2: I hope you feel that Jack gave you the permission to, like, really push the limits on what, you know, on, the, on, on podcasting in general. I, because that first episode is so fantastic. It's like, I, yeah, like, it's like, yeah, you're really indulging. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, I literally can't say enough about how much Jack influences me, how much he <sighs> means to me and that's why he is my first guest because like I wanted to show who has influenced me in podcasting because I think Jack is a true artist and just really I mean in 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 (laughs) like getting emotional but it's like he really is like such a positive influence on sort of my view on things like like uh like what i knew tpn was like the thing was when i first heard the 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 first twin peaks episode about the first two seasons i th- um like when he said like season two is great i don't know what why people hate it. It's like that's so me I was like yeah. like <laughs> like you know like uh y- there's really no other sort of force not just you know obviously in our circle but like in general as cu- cultural speaking i guess it's like jack speaks to everyone like speak he speaks to a like a, a like a root i have fucking i don't know i'm drunk it's like <laughs> like the, the like a sort of like core like belief that we all have like yeah you know i really have taken to jack's like don't give a fuck mentality it's like yeah you i i and i speak of jack obviously but i can speak so highly of people like zach or armenian or you know david and kelby Or, you know, like you, for example, or really like anyone in the group chat, like I I really am truly inspired by everyone (laughs) because it's like everyone lives, I guess, life to just like the sort of emotion of it all, I guess. It's like, there's no point in sort of hiding or downplaying what makes you excited whether it be entertainment mm. or just being a horny ass motherfucker like <laughs> like what why why just sort of like in many ways censor yourself you know exactly. but and speaking of censoring <laughs> <laughs> uh uh the next game the last game we're talking about is the infamous beloved to me night trap which came out on october 15th 1992 it actually was a uh launch game for the sega cd uh the much beloved much derived depends on who you talk to add-on system for the sega genesis uh it was developed by digital pictures uh who were sort of trying to pioneer this sort of new ish genre of games um night trap to those who don't know what it is it is an interactive movie slash full motion video game where you interact with video clips so to say like movie clips and so it's kind of when it night trap came out this was pre 3D graphics with the playstation and like the saturn and the n64 and this was the day of 16 bit graphics with the super nintendo and the genesis or the mega drive if you're from europe or japan or whatever was it was it for you in australia called the mega drive do you know
2: i couldn't say i think we had a whole weird because i know it was sega sega aussie soft <laughs> that was like uh outlet. i think we might have had the mega drive we might have had like whatever the european um the european versions of things what things were but like anything before like 2005 i would really have, yeah <laughs> really
1: <have> no clue. <laughs> uh, but the point being is so um so the, Night Trap was sort of like a I guess you could say a showcase of the Sega C D as yeah. the Sega C D was sort of the first step towards honestly the PlayStation era, which was C D ROM games. Uh the Sega C D was a oh god, I'm I'm like not coherent enough to remember if it was two hundred or three hundred dollars, but it was
2: an add on to it's sort of three hundred. Yeah, it was I think you said that.
1: It was meant to sort of Give the Genesis, not necessarily like like a, a a new like this is how you're supposed to play Genesis games from now on, sort of thing. It's like a new medium to sort of enhance your Genesis experience uh, because the Sega CD allowed for you know CD quality audio. It could allow for larger games, more inner, more sort of graphically capable games. Uh, but unfortunately, because it was an expensive as fuck add-on, like you know, Sega Sega had pure heart intentions, but they don't understand. It's like when you advertise an add-on, you're advertising for the the people who own a Genesis. You're not gonna get like some Joe Schmo who's like, "I want a fucking Sega Genesis," sort of thing, like uh, or Sega CD, and I'm gonna get a Genesis at the same time. That's like four hundred dollars, whatever. But the Sega CD really was sort of like, in the grand scheme of things, this, lar- this beginning step for Sega's downfall, for them to, to bow out of the console, mu- develop, uh, console manufacturing business. Mm. Um, but Night Trap was sort of this new possibility for games. It was as you had games that were very pixelated and granted very beautiful looking games you know of that era uh night trap was viewed as as well as other fmv games as like the next step so to say because you're interacting with real people so to say and you know realistic environments because it's quite literally film footage (laughs) that you can interact with and cause things to happen uh night trap uh you know there's other other games made by digital pictures such as ground zero ground zero texas uh i wish i could remember other games that digital pictures made but um uh, there's like corpse killer sewer shark supreme warrior Mm -hmm. those sort of things you also mm-hmm. had even sierra you know people who made larry you had them making uh phantasmagoria yeah, yeah. uh there's other uh, f- a game that you posted about a uh, voyeur um, oh yeah that's right yeah. like fmv games at this time in 1992 these early 90 era they're viewed as like sort of the new horizon for games it's like oh we we're not just controlling a final fantasy character a pixelated final fantasy character or a sonic or a mario we're controlling people so to say and night trap and i'll be honest night trap is a very cute and silly game like night trap is <laughs> night trap has got a lot of controversy that it didn't deserve um uh infamously this game was uh sparked a national uh, honestly a worldwide conversation about games being in the hands of kids the keeds as they say um (laughs) um, like and it really just stems from an out of context clip from the game uh where one of the girls in the game because the whole game is that you are a member of Sega Control action team SCAT and you are part of a investigation team trying to stop these vampires from kidnapping these girls and this one boy from being subjects to these vampires to get their blood drawn, you know, to be food. And the game is a clear B-movie inspiration. It's campy. It's you know it winks at the camera very often like it's so hmm. harmless like if it's it's especially in the eyes of 2022 when we have games that are just blatantly like uh live leak footage graphic violence <laughs> nowadays you look at night trap and it's the most adorable little thing ever like you know this the, night trap was literally like the game that was quote spawning rapists in america as senators in america were describing like like it's this game is so cute and it's very much in the way of larry it's very just sweet in its core when it was being made but like it got construed to being like the like satan's baby so to say um, so I want to know what your experience with Night is Alex.
2: <laughs> well, this is something like really similar to Larry, Larry Laffer It's something I had heard of because I think if you're interested in like controversial media or banned media, within the Australian context, this is like, and within the American context, this is like this thing that like pops out as precipitative, where <laughs> this is more like really like precipitated in America, the ESRB and the entire American rating system around game and its games. And it's very similar in Australia. So if you're interested in that sort of area of media at all, um, this is Night Trap is something that appears as something that <laughs> an idea of an idea of a game that like is so controversial that it like invents an entire rating system so I had this idea of it in my mind and I think the idea of it in my mind was like basically a slasher movie where you're, uh, you're you know you're you're not necessarily within the perspective of the killers but you are you are in a slasher movie, and you're controlling something. This is pre-playing it. You're controlling something, and there's, like, you know, a killer coming after the girls who are in the house having their little, you know, teenage slumber party. They're all getting their kid off, and having a great time, and then come the killers, and they're going to kill them. But, like, actually playing this is, as you said, it's so it's so fucking cute. It's so fucking... Like minimal and sweet, I. It's really astounding the amount of criticism
0: it received
2: it's... on its first instance because it's about like weird, like half mutated vampires, the augurs who, who, the augurs who are never, who are never like actually doing anything particularly. Why well, I'll get to this point about how like it's minimized in retrospect but they're never really doing anything there's never any like blood shed there's never any nudity there's never anything particularly gratuitous but they are like coming into the house they're swarming into the house and they're um are kidnapping the girls and drilling into their necks and sucking out (laughs) their blood (laughs) but it's never it's never it's never bloody it's never bloody it's never you no, know, there's, there's like no anything like that.
1: there's like no blood in the game. Like the closest, there's never any blood in the game. The closest you get is when they're filling the wine bottles. But even then, yeah. with the hot uh, Deke Deke Johnson, uh, which uh, I love how we what's his name Deke John. I don't does he even have a name in the game? Like I just know him as Deke. I
2: don't remember. Uh, Deke, like he's Deke. Yeah, um, uh, Deke. Don't, Dick Dick Anderson Dick yeah.
1: Anderson yeah like he's the like that's the he cloak. comes in
2: at some point he's like in the in the yeah he, he gets captured like two
1: minutes <laughs> his, and I love I love our collective our like shared brain where we're just like all we cared about was when he's being hung up and like we just see his veiny biceps like yeah like, like, like huh. that's the only thing I noticed it's like Whoa, who was this guy.
2: Well, I have to focus on this scene for a couple of minutes but, because but I can like, see him but, hanging upside down <laughs> with lifeless. his veiny biceps. <laughs> <laughs> but, like,
1: literally, like, this game is the opposite of controversial, like... Yeah,
2: like, the, the reason this came into... Well, I don't know the reason it came into focus. I like, think that it's one pro- scene, but... It's the bathroom scene. like, even then, but even then, it's like, in, Harmless. in terms of the early nineties, early nineties, like you have to attach to it this entire sort of ecosystem of gaming, um, the way that gaming can influence like a susceptible child, like the what? and whatever else. Because it's like, by bitch, this what? point in the early, by this point in the early nineties, this is so tame in terms of like, it's like contemporary, you know, influences, movies, and TV. This is so tame. Like it's... like the bloodless nature of it, the fact that like the enemies are crawling around all ooty ooly <laughs> Like they're
1: just like fuck they have like a retard walk or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like boom yeah, boom boom. <laughs> they have like a tuba music playing behind them. Like it's <laughs> it, it, it it makes total sense. Like if you know how this game was made, because this Night Trap comes from like an '86 prototype, because Has- Hasbro wanted to make like a VHS playable thing called the Control Vision, which was like to allow mm-hmm. you to play, allow VHS tapes to be like interactive sort of thing, and. Mm-hmm. This comes from a prototype called scene of the crime, which was like kind of a clue inspired game idea where it's like you have, you have like surveillance cameras and you have to determine who stole like the jewels or whatever. And night trap kind of was the influence of or the result of this sort of idea. But so they shot this they shot all the footage in 1987, which is why all the characters look like they're from the 80s. <laughs> like, <laughs> from the costumes to like the house that it's set in to the And it's the,
2: so gorgeous. Yeah, like, it's the, oh my god, the, like the the athleisure wear and the, you know, skin tight, like leotards and the shoulder padded
1: cardigans <laughs> and the
2: suits and the pink oh god. dresses can we can and we the talk about lisa?
1: can we talk about lisa like one of the girls in oh, her oh lisa her, her her pink like like a business attire with her like she is you know, she
2: is a woman she is yeah, a woman she's is, she is she a she full grown woman she is a diva <laughs> like I love oh, her so much
1: like oh my god like because this game came pink out in 90- nine out hair yeah like so this game came out in 92, but the footage that you see and you interact with is from 97. So it gives this kind of like very, very quaint atmosphere, like especially with the mm. fucking the glittering theme song or I guess theme song. Like there's a scene in the game where the all the girls like do a lip sync mm-hmm. of like the theme song like with that mm-hmm. the fucking scene stealer of the game Megan in her athleisure oh, wear she's, she's, she's playing like with her badminton racket she's though. like she's <laughs> oh my god like that scene I, I'll i get to it in a second but it's like that's like it is dripping 80s aesthetics all around oh and even yeah. even to the scat team like the way they're dressed it's the scat team is like predator costumes where they're like oh hey they're wearing army matisse but their biceps are all like their arms are all showing and <laughs> i'm like the fucking hot ass sergeant who like leads the team uh mustache. like oh that mustache oh my god <laughs> sit on my face sort so of-
2: gorgeous
1: <laughs> like you know it's funny because it's like the game is so harmless, but like me and you being the sickos, where it's like there's little, <laughs> there's like little hidden nuggets of just like beauty. You want to
2: see these men strung up, up, upside down, <laughs> yeah, the, of all their blood.
1: Li, li, exactly, <laughs> literally, <all> we want. <laughs> it's all we goddamn want. <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, like Night Trap is so because like. Like when the game came out, people liked it. Like it it wasn't like a flying off the shelves type game. Like it was okay. People say like, oh, this is a really fun, interesting, new, uh, like uh, medium for games sort of thing. But like, then we get to the controversy, the, the infamous yeah. 1993, which was a full year after the game came out a the senate hearing the 1993 United States Senate hearings on uh on on video games which uh focused specifically on three games one night trap was one of them the other one is mortal combat which honestly should have been the focus was mortal combat if i were to like be Objectionable or whatever the word would be, but it's (laughs) the the Senate hearings focused focused on three games, which was Mortal Kombat, Night Trap, and a Konami game called Lethal Enforcers. Now, the Senate hearings, honestly, the Senate hearings were very focused on Night Trap. Like,
2: yeah, this is such. They really didn't. They
1: really didn't. They 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 focused on Mortal Kombat, like, because you can rip someone's heart out with the fatality mechanic. Like, they really but were... But that is so, like,
2: so sort of, you know, it's really pixelated. And I think, like, wasn't Mortal Kombat, like, shot, well, like, made in a similar way to sort of FMV games in that they were sort of rotoscoping Yeah, it's um, uh, real-life the... actions? Yeah. But the, the... It's, it's so sort of, it's so sort of, Pixelated yeah, and
1: unreal. Yeah, because yeah, Mortal Kombat used these, are the, the first <clears throat> three Mortal Kombats used real people in, like, you know, their costumes, and they would, like, film them doing the moves and all that stuff, and, like, to give the impression that they're, like, it's, like, better graphics. Cause that, that was a thing back then where they would rotos, they would film real people as, like, the characters, and, like, they would film them doing moves in front of like a green screen uh which is probably honestly why these fucking retarded senators like got mad <laughs> at this these games cuz so like and and the thing about the, the really like lethal enforcers was just like I don't even know why that game was there other lethal enforcers, which was the third game at this hearing because the game, the home console, because it was like a light gun game, which, you know, you pointed a gun at your CRT sort of, it was like duck hunt back in the day. But the, I think it's because the, the peripherals used to control that game, they looked like real revolvers. That was it. Like night trap and mortal combat were the f- main focus. It, and I think it, It really just stems from the fact that they used real people instead of like pixelated graphics because at the time you had like you know Sega at the time was very like this was the peak console wars this was the first time console wars came to fruition because Sega had dethroned Nintendo as the dominant game maker at the time like Sega had like over 60% of the market share at the time which nintendo had dominated in the 80s and early in very early 90s but sega dethroned them and sega's whole marketing campaign they were kind of like the proto playstation of that time where they're advertising to teenagers and adults with like edgy characters and all this stuff and like you have games like Splatterhouse, which you play as a very hot serial killer with a mask going through a haunted house killing monsters. Like, you know, Sega played into their sort of edgy brand and Night Trap kind of became like a sort of perfect vehicle for them. Because, I mean, so the Senate hearings were headed by joe lieberman of connecticut and what's this fucking other dude's name it's uh another. cole or something uh some some guy from wisconsin <laughs> both, de- both both democrats by the way by the way most yeah. most of the said...
2: i don't want to i don't want to disparage the jewish people <laughs> 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 No, but. Because like, they're like responsible for half of these games we're talking I, about that we love. But, okay, but, but like. Did you but notice? They're all Jews on this fucking
1: panel. Did, did you notice in the Senate hearings almost every senator talking was Democrat? Like, wow. Yeah, they're all
2: Democrats. Like, That's a funny thing. Like, in retrospect, anytime like a panel is coordinated to decry these sort of games anywhere in the world, it's always like the liberal um side of politics the like the funny thing in the australian context is that like oh yeah yeah they about the australia it, well the person who brought up night trap i can't remember her name but she was a member of the labor party let's see if i can find it but she was a member of the labor party um which yeah. is our you know left-wing party in australia yeah and and i remember i have reading a transcript from an interview with her on late line, which is this, you know, Australian ABC, Mm -hmm. Australian Broadcasting Corporation show where they're talking about, you know, current affairs issues and they're talking about her and the host of the show talks about her and says like, well, you know, you were opposing censorship in the sixties as many people on the left of politics did in the late 60s, they posed censorship, they posed sort of the restrictions of media, why are you now seemingly sort of in favour of restrictions on media in favour of censorship? And, and her response is like, absolutely hysterical, where first of all, she says, like, well, you know, like, times have changed, the 90s is different. You know, we have an like, media has changed to such an extent, we have such as this incredible closeness to reality, and like this interactivity where like, we're reaching sort of limits of media that we haven't ever seen before. But then she said something utterly insane, like so psychotic, where she says that like anyone writing video games needs to get a license. You need to come to the government if you want to write video games. You need to come to the government <laughs> and get a license to write video games, and like the host is like, "Hold on a minute, <laughs> this is like fucking insane what you're suggesting." I, I... It's fucking insane, and like you have like Democrats in America, and here the left of politics being like, "Yeah, we need to like." actually censor everything. <laughs> we just censor everything. And Joe Lieberman throughout this entire Senate hearing saying is like, well, we want them to like self censor first, we want them to self regulate. But if they can't, we will come in there. And we will fucking shut this <laughs> shit down. And it's like, there's never like a minute where they're not completely psychotically like I'm fully invested in suppressing everything. Literally. Like oh, my God. Su- invested in, like, the
1: they're, like, no, they're saying, like, we're gonna, like, shut this shit down. No, like, oh, my God, like, okay. Bob, did you you notice? It's insane. Did you notice how in, because you listen, did, did you listen <laughs> to the whole hearing, the Senate hearing? I think or, I
2: got about it, like, three quarters I, of it. So
1: and... I listened to the, like, there was like a t- video just specifically talking about Night Trap, mm, and like I know the, that bit. and like I heard in the Senate, like because they had like they had the, the 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 queen diva herself Marilyn draws of the national oh, coalition of television violence crazy <laughs> yeah, she's a fucking crazy cunt like like uh, but like they had um this guy eugene provenzo of the university of miami who by the way is a wood like he was really hot by the way but you know whatever uh like he said like you know, games are just you know they're sexist, they're violent, but they're also racist because yeah, when kids so were interviewed fantastic. about ninjas and the games, the kids thought Japs <laughs> and they thought Japs and Asians. I'm just like, what kids did you fucking interview? It's like <laughs> the kids just think ninjas are cool or bad guys. It's like, what the oh my god, are you are you fucking retarded? Like,
2: like <laughs> well, that's it, a fantastic it, thing about Night Trap is that like it, well, the, the thing that makes sense is that it was originally like all the, the ninja ogres thing. were going to be ninjas. Yeah, no, which makes yeah, makes sense in terms of that, like and, late eighties context and and, like and all those Jean Claude Van Damme the, movies and everything. That was the like that.
1: thing, especially then, because they said the was it the director said it's like we can't have was it replicatable violence. Yeah, like non, the, the,
2: it has to be non-replicable violence, so that's why so they get all those. That's that's drills. why
1: they remove the ninja concept to <clears> these <throat> yeah. like retard walking vampires who, <laughs> like, because that's a that it was so funny because like Hasbro, you know, the toy maker, Barbie maker, or whatever, or mm. whatever, not not Hasbro, Barbie, whatever. I have Barbie on the <laughs> brink of Scott beloved. I love beloved Scott was talking about Barbies earlier. I'm just like Hasbro uh, made Barbie right, crazy. but um, <laughs> uh, but you know, a to- American toy maker Hasbro was responsible for the original VHS Control Vision prototype that Night Vision was or Night Trap was sort of being made for, mm. and um, it's. I recommend it's, everyone
2: it, watch that video. Oh, yeah. The... About the twenty the twenty fifth anniversary video, because like the idea of what the VHS tape could do, like the way the way that the director of Night Trap talks about it, is like DVD could only like reach a little bit further than VHS, and I think that's really like important to consider in this in terms of this entire in the in like in terms of the technical capabilities of Night Trap. Like what Night Trap could do on a VHS tape is only like a little tiny teeny tiny bit behind what yeah. DVD and what CD-ROM could do. It, so that it, entire documentary is fantastic too. Yeah, there's about.
1: okay. Before me and Alex forget because we're fucking drunk. <laughs> so there's there's two great documentaries. There, you might think say uh, Night Trap is actually it's a little expensive it's like 60 dollars, but they re-released night trap on pc ps4 and the nintendo switch and weirdly enough the vita but uh (laughs) they re-released night trap with the 25th anniversary which is honestly a great remaster because you can play the game originally as the sega cd version Mm. and but you can also play it with uncompressed video and uh these other options like seeing what's going on in other rooms but this this remit this 25th anniversary edition includes uh documentaries about this game There's so there's the one called dangerous games which is like a eight minute video it's really short uh but it's it was made like in 1995 if i remember correctly where they interview like the director of the game they interview the ceo of digital pictures they interview dana plato who's the main character uh beautiful dana plato she's gorgeous in it like uh they interview sort of they interview the actress of lisa i think and she's just, you know like they give great insight albeit they kind of try to downplay the game saying like, Oh yeah, we knew it was going to be garbage. Like they kind of Mm. like, but anyways, but there's a second documentary with the director of the game. Mm. And it really gives great insight into this game, how intensive this game was produced and directed and created. Like there's the famous black, the black binder that the director had where it, yeah, like- it lays out the individual tracks and how, like they said, like the director said how like they had to time specific scenes with a stopwatch uh, to make sure that like it could line up properly with the different video. Cause Night Trap is primarily played. So you have like your main video screen that you're in, inter- There's eight scene, eight cameras you can interact with. And you know, each scene has like a specific thing happening to it, and so you have to switch between camera angles to see what's going on. So you can cap because the main goal is to capture a hundred augers and vampires. Uh, I, this I, man before I forget, like the the main <laughs> the main purpose of the game, the, the main setup of the game is. So there are was it five girls? There's a little. There's a young boy. Uh. Staying at it's like a sleepover with this like kind of creepy. Somewhere. Yeah, the creepy girl uh, Sarah is her name, I think. Like uh, these girls are staying over at her house for like a sleepover, but it turns out she Sarah and her parents are vampires,
2: yeah. and
1: they're trying to harvest the these girls' blood, and they Cindy,
2: make the no... Ashley Megan Lisa, her little brother Danny, yeah and Kelly.
1: Yeah, the the, <laughs> the 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 queens of the cast, and then you have the dad, the vampire dad, Victor. The mm-hmm. oh god, what's the mom's name? It's I can't remember. Uh, there's the, the mom, mom, but the mom is wearing
2: like a leotard, and she's oh like yeah, a she's she's fucking glittering
1: she's too. Wearing a cardigan. Uh, <laughs> she's fucking uh, Sheila, Sheila, <laughs> Sheila's her name.
2: And then she gets fucking shot through that like trap at the end.
1: Yeah, no, and, like, so yeah. The, the <laughs> so there's the girls: Kelly, Cindy, Lisa, Ashley, Megan, and then there's the mm. vampires: the dad, the dad vampire Victor, the vampire mom Sheila, and the vampire daughter Sarah. Um, and cousin Tony. Yeah. Ca- uh, no, cousin, cousin Tony with yeah, the Yeah, cousin Tony, and then the the son Jeff. So Victor, mm. Sheila, Sarah, Jeff, and Tony are vampires and then there's the weirdo Eddie. Um Weird Eddie. Uh, <laughs> it, Eddie. Sp- Okay, so the main point is that you're a member of SCAT, which is, stands for yeah. Sega Control Attack Team. Uh Commander Sims, the hot as fuck commander of the operation. <laughs> like he so they're trying to capture these vampires because there's suspicious activity with this so the main goal is to try to capture the augers, save the girls. And the way you interact with this game is that you have eight cameras that are sort of transmitting different scenes from the movie. And the way you trap the augers and the vampires is that there's a little indicator on the screen that has like a color re- sort of attached to it. And then once it's, is it red? Like there's a specific mm. color. I'm drunk, sorry. But... There's a specific <laughs> co- there's a specific color and once it hits the specific color you hit the button and it traps the yeah. augers uh, because the house is full of booby traps to sort of originally yeah. trap people, but you are able to hack into the camera system in the trap system, and you are to trap 100 augers to get sort of the quote perfect ending of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, God, what were we talking before this? Um, but, like, <laughs> the, you know, these the Senate hearings were specifically directed at the bathroom scene, which involves yeah. Lisa, you know, the beautiful, you know, big hair, 80s. She's in her sort of spaghetti as the actress, spaghetti strap nightgown, and she's in the bathroom and Auger's grab her and use this very comical device to drain her blood, uh, And that is the scene that ignited this literally the whole Senate hearing is this Mm. specific scene where Lisa is being in her nightgown and she gets captured by the augers and she has her blood drained. But what's funny is like that scene happens because you fail like that is a fail state of the game and uh, the commander Sims beautiful hot commander Sims who I'd suck his dick. Like in a heartbeat, (laughs) like he reprimands you for failing. Like that's the thing that the Senate hearing is they they play this specific scene and say, "Look at how much this scene is encouraging violence against women." You know, all these young boys are gonna be become perverts and rapists, and it's like that scene happens because you fail to protect the girls, and the game reprimands you harshly for failing. Like, you know, mind you. That's the whole thing
2: that's so bizarre about this entire thing is that, like, Night Trap is a very clear-cut, like, video game where you're in the eyes of the good guys. You're taking the perspective of the good guys. You're You're never doing anything particularly problematic in the perspective you're taking in terms of, like, actually finishing the game and completing the game and getting the, you know, perfect score and whatever. If you want to finish the game, you have to protect the girls, you have to trap the Yorgas, you have to trap the Yorgas at the right time. And you have to like, you know, never put the girls in any harm whatsoever. That's like how you finish the game. Like, so like the fact that this, this is the game that Came to such controversy is like entirely absurd, but at the same time, when in that first documentary that's featured on um, that dangerous games documentary that's featured on the um 25th anniversary version, they're really annoyingly quick to like dismiss the entire idea of the game where they're saying, yeah. like they, they try it's to... really minuscule it's juvenile it doesn't have anything to do with anything you
1: yeah know, they, they like... play up that it's like a b movie like it's like oh man, yeah. it's a parody of b movies it's like
2: but when I... you hear the director talking about it in the 25th anniversary version it's like saying we took this like well first of all like the technological advances that they were taking were like obviously deadly serious Oh, because what they were doing was incredible what they were doing technologically was amazing really amazing and then when they're taking it deadly serious is like what they what what they were doing in terms of gaming at this point in time was really reaching new frontiers literally in terms of what, they, what you could do as a video game What you could see, what you could experience
1: they, they, The previous The one I know of Because Night Trap was the first one on Sega CD But like yeah. the only one That I know prior to Sega CD Was an arcade game called Dragon's Lair Which was yeah. I think a Laserdisc game But that game was only Like you had to press the certain button Like analog stick direction To sort of progress the game. like it, Night Trap was, at the time, Like people don't understand, it's like the amount of work and effort to sort of not only program the game, but shoot the video footage is immense. Like
2: Yeah, looking they're... at their storyboards, it's like, well, the way he, the director talks about it, he had to like, non-linear edit this using sort of new technology. Mm-hmm a way to like simultaneously place all these multiple storylines happening simultaneously in this sort of system where you could interact with at any point in time and actually playing with it it's so convoluted like yeah. you can't ever get a sense of the narrative y- y- no, playing yeah no yeah because it- you have to like absolutely follow the objective or else you've fucking get taken out and like the first possible instance
1: yeah this this game like okay i think because people have like because like when the game came out people liked it but like literally eight years later people are saying like oh it's the worst game ever made it's like no it's not like absurd. like it i i i'm i'm not I, i won't say the game is perfect like it's clearly the first of its kind. And, and, and even later on, digital pictures would push the concept of FMV games even further. There's like, um, there was a game that they never got to release that was like essentially a full motion video first person shooter. That was incredibly complex. uh, But they never got to release it. But eventually it got released, I think, as a iphone game which was so strange but like uh people i think people are were at the time like, like by the year 2000 because i think egm included it as like one of the 50 worst games ever made it's like what the fuck are you talking yeah. about like yeah. the 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 contents of the game are very like the only way i could describe it is cute like it's it's like, you can tell, like, especially in the, because in the dangerous games, they include a lot of behind-the-scenes footage, uh, uh, including uh, our favorite, the uh, guy holding the the white balance card, the beautiful man with the flowing <laughs> oh, hair and man. giant beard and hairy chest Some that Dana Van Plato gets Coon to rest. And... <laughs> yeah, she, she gets to just rest her head on, just like, God, I wish that were me, sort of moment. Yeah. But, like, it's clear <laughs> as day that the production crew are just, like, loving this this idea, this project. I mean, like, absolutely.
2: They're shooting this on 35 millimeters. Yeah.
1: They were, like... treating
2: this deadly serious. Like, every one of these FMV digital pictures games cost a million to two million to be Yeah, Like, this was, like... Well, the whole thing with, like, that interesting 25, 25th anniversary movie, 25th anniversary documentary... YouTube video that is treated, that is featured on the.
1: <laughs> yeah, the 25th anniversary <laughs> on the, on edition the, game.
2: <laughs> on the restoration game, but it was also on YouTube, is um, that they were treating this like a movie you could interact with. Like this yeah. is the reason why Hasbro were first interested in this, is that this was like something for the whole family. Because like, you know, your parents could understand a movie you could interact with. So like, but like, so this was treated like a movie, this is treated like a real proper movie, like there was certain limitations, like the entire, the sets, every set on Night Trap looks like a sitcom, you know, I think I said, I texted you like, this is like the Halloween episode of a sitcom, where everything yes, goes yes, wrong, yes, 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 yes. but then at the end, you know, everything, you know, resolves itself. It has that sort of like set-based. Everything is in its place. There's not anything particularly it, artistic going on, but there's a, like a real seriousness dedicated to
1: craft. And oh shit. <laughs> I bumped the mic. Whoops. Whatever. Don't care.
2: <laughs> that was so gorgeous. Um, this real <laughs> seriousness <laughs> dedicated to craft that is there. And when, like, in that contemporaneous post-controversy interview they give, when they dismiss it out of hand, yeah, it's that's, like absolutely ridiculous because they obviously cared about the product they were delivering. They obviously put, like, not like... only like the two million dollars they put into Night Trap, but the twenty million dollars they put into developing the system Night Trap would have played on originally. Yeah, it's they so cared. Crazy. They really cared. And what they delivered was really great. I think Night Trap is a great fucking game. It's literally and... it's so it's
1: so fun. Like it's great. so like, fun. It's so like,
2: fucking fun. It's difficult. It's fun. It's everything you want in a game. Oh, um, like, anyone like, dismissing it out of hand is wrong. It's yeah. The fucking wrong. Oh my
1: god. Like <laughs> yeah. If I were to like put on the critical gamer hat, like yeah, like obviously. <laughs> Like, it's not, like, honestly, this great, this, this, this game is great drunk, like, (laughs)
0: like, (laughs) like, it's so,
1: like, if I were to mention the incredible song that is included in this game oh, the man. you know and you that, can't
2: even pay attention to it you have to like play yeah the no game, it, it's funny because i like, think it's it,
1: it it's such a great example of like the game trying to trick you because like yeah. you're obviously trying to switch between camera modes especially in the sega cd version where because in the 25th anniversary version when you play with like the restorized video footage where it's like uncompressed and the other cameras are actually showing video footage in the Sega Mm. CD version the other cameras are just little pixelated images you can't tell what's going on so you have to frantically switch between camera angles but like the game is kind of great in the fact that it includes scenes that are meant to distract you like the song scene with Megan giving the lip sync performance of her life like, <laughs> like she is she, uh, that 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 is a thing. Uh, Megan, who's played by I don't know what she else she has done, but Christy Ford, she's the actress who played Megan, and she she eats every scene she is in. <laughs> like that's the whole
2: th- bizarre thing about these FMV games is like these actors who are like fucking superb. Like, across the board, they are, like, perfectly metered to what the the material they're living. And, like, outside of a couple, like, prominent names, well, like, Dana Plato is the obvious one, you get one big name in there. But, like, outside of those couple prominent names, like, no one has done fucking anything afterwards. And it's absurd to consider that. Like, these are brilliant actors. These are really brilliant actors.
1: Okay, so, like... Kelly who's the main character of the game. She's played by Dana Plato mm. who's arguably the the biggest name and she was in uh different strokes if i'm right. Yeah. That uh, yeah. was like uh who oh, by the way like she has a tragic story. Like i feel for her that diva. Yeah, really. Like be- she's-, she's like the
2: ab- archetypical sort of teen yeah to she's
1: she's so games. she's so gorgeous in this game i love it's how hilarious. she's like in that that sports bra and like i mean i feel for that bitch you know like
2: and this would have been the first thing she did off of different strokes so she yeah like and retired off of different strokes and she went straight into night trap and then that night trap didn't come out for five years and she was forced into all these sort of soft core fucking, like, different strokes, porn parodies, and, I, you know, ruined her entire life.
1: Like, you know,
2: like... <laughs> but, like, this could have saved her. Night Trap, if Night Trap came out when it was... On the, v, on the control her. vision, it, it would have <laughs> saved her. On the control vision, it would have saved
1: her. But, like, <laughs> except for, I think you and I agree, Cindy is a fucking dead weight and <laughs> like, like, since, two, like like since like, kelly you know <laughs> dana plato as kelly
2: yeah
1: christy ford as megan and yeah. deborah parks as lisa those are the three divas parks, the
2: outstanding, outstanding like, diva. but
1: like e- even like tracy matherson as cindy or at allison ray as ashley i'm i'm only remembering this because i'm looking at the wikipedia page i'm drunk <laughs> but like <laughs> like e- even cindy or ashley like got like this this the whole like i love just the aesthetics of this game it's like because like they they lit it the way they did because they weren't sure how it was gonna look like they yeah you know f- fun fact the director of photography of this game would direct Forrest Gump and Terminator <laughs> like that, that's, like a, that's a
2: funny thing about like these sort of like this came at like the perfect time in his career like he had only direct uh, he only shot um like really sort of like low budget straight to video shit prior to this and then i think like probably the same year 87 he worked with robert zemeckis on some anthology film and then like he robert zemeckis obviously like was like hey i love you (laughs) (laughs) everything everything else i work with for the rest of my career, and then he oh ends up God. working on Forrest oh my, Gump I, and becoming look, like the, Academy Award nominated and everything the, the, else.
1: The the, the the director of photography, Don Burgess, is his name. I because I'm looking at this real I I Wikipedia his name. Night Trap is in it. Night Trap in it is in his filmography page. It, it's actually listed in that. Like, well, it's like, like
2: worth it. It's like absolutely worth it. Because like, even though like this, the photography is like very. It's flat. It's obviously flat. You, it, can't you know what it reminds what me with the photography, but it's like sitcom brilliance.
1: Okay, it's like I, absolute
2: I, brilliance within its limitations.
1: Because because uh, I've been I've watched two episodes of Knots Landing recently. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I honestly granted my knowledge and expertise on soap operas is minimal, but it's like it reminds me of a soap opera lighting, like yeah, like it's so like the bedroom, the bathroom, the the kitchen, the foyer, the out exterior. Like, it's so gorgeous. It's yeah. like, I it, it mean,
2: I think the thing I said, it reminded me of this was like the sitcom, the Halloween episode of a sitcom where like everything can the go fog. wrong. There can be ghoulies and, you know, zombies and werewolves and whatever else. And then after that episode, everything returns back to normal. <laughs> It's not quite like the actual narrative of Night Trap is not quite soapy, but it's like it's like there. It's like there. It's absolutely there. The aesthetics, the photography, the aesthetics, everything is there. It's in the soap opera like TV
1: realm. It's like teenage soap opera.
2: Exactly, and that's what that's what like the um, the Senate hearing honed in on. Like, the person who I found most hysterical, besides Marilyn Droz, who's obviously the the woman, <laughs> the woman of the... The woman, uh, the women! The woman! <laughs> the <diva laughs> of the Senate hearing, who says, like, I spent five years as a doctor, seven years as a psychiatric therapist, and my entire life <laughs> as a woman! <laughs> so she's great but the other person is eugene provenzo who ended up in australia talking about the whole oh like yeah the, the, the hot
1: the hot professor from university of yeah, miami he's, he's, he's so, so fucked oh my god no <laughs> not not i don't fucking hear it's my show but he is so hot <laughs> he is so hot in oh, that absolutely his jet black hair like you know fuck me
2: you could save him but he talks about how 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 television like the whole thing with video games becoming like this medium by which violence can be transmitted is that their connection to television so video games prior to night trap were things like leisure suit larry where they were very low pixel content they're obviously like distinguishable from reality. <clears throat> but then with Night Trap, we have this full motion video. We have videos compressed yeah. into a video game context. And that's sort of like bringing it to the, towards this closeness of reality. So some, some someone like Eugene Provenzo says like something utterly, um, fucking Bizarre retarded and, retarded. Like, retarded as like half of all homicides oh, are, no. oh, are the results of television
1: no. do, you, do you remember in that ten, hearing uh marilyn the queen draws she's like <laughs> so eugene is saying like in the beginning of the game the the sergeant hardest hottest, hottest fuck sergeant who i want uh <laughs> to sit on my face um the sergeant is like if you're not man if you're not capable to man the controls give it to somebody else and eugene is like <laughs> you know he's referencing this and Marilyn is like well that's excluding half of the population it's like uh-huh. oh my god <laughs> like I, I zach said this on his episode it's like i love this like era of feminism or it's just like well you know just disregarding my it's like uh i i think of like anita sarkeesian in GamerGate, where she's just like uh, this like fucking like harpy diva that's just like living for her like all female or queens mentality like i fucking i love this fucking bitch who's just like so in her world and marilyn is like in this universe where she's like because she she comes off like Mar like so like the main i would say marilyn is like the main figure like to me as fucking as a faggot like (laughs) <laughs> like, like I love her. I love her aesthetic. In that, in the Senate oh, she's hearing, so
2: camp. She's no, so she's, camp so she's so fucking camp. camp. <laughs>
1: like she is, she is a diva. She is a full fledged.
2: She's a spin. Yeah, she's she a, a twirl into a
1: spin into a maybe I don't know a death drop. I don't know, but like because I've been watching Drag Race like fucking ad nauseum because of Zach's episode on Drag Race, but like, like, like she. Because she comes off as like a mother like you know the con- you know like whenever like a controversy happens it's like the concerned mothers mm. you know the the mothers the mothers the
2: group, like one thousand a million moms yeah, like a million the million moms did, did, are did gonna australia- fucking come did, in and descend on you <laughs>
1: did australia ever have like dare a, 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 an equivalent of dare like well the, the one I
2: love the what I love that is responsible in Australia for getting rid of like any pornography on shelves. This is something I noticed like literally the other week where I was looking in a news um what are they called? News market. Whatever. I was looking at like a newspaper salesperson. And I was thinking, why am not I seeing any tits? Like, why am not I seeing any, tits? <laughs> any Anything. I'm not seeing anything. And the result of that is this group called Collective Shout, <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> Collective Shout, I, which is okay. a, group, a group that is against violence against women and children. And they singularly are responsible for getting rid of pornography in newspaper shelves. And for that, I fucking despise them. I want them out of existence. Okay, like... But at the same time, I love their cab quality of collective uh, shout. Collective shout? (laughs) (laughs) They're fucking so ridiculous. On the face of it, they're so ridiculous. Only women
1: would come up with that name. Collective Collective shout. shout.
2: (laughs) Like, what the... (laughs) flying fuck like, (laughs) and they're the ones they're the ones that pursued a Serbian film to it's like bitter end and they were the ones that described it as like they described it in vivid gruesome detail which makes it so much worse than like it actually is but that's like so fantastic the fact that they would delve into this sort of material and like notate okay. every specific instance of like child abuse okay like and okay. they would go to go to <laughs> it. it's, like, fantastic
1: oh my god okay like can we talk about you know the crypt keeper himself <laughs> joe lieberman the man who is responsible for oh, the ESRB? My god! what a disgusting okay kid. <laughs> okay okay um first question is he a wood to you like what is he like oh, in
2: bed probably not no, he, he feels like he, no. If you were no. to hit, if you were to hit it kind on, kind of him, looks he, like a woman. No, he, he he gives
1: very dainty energy. Like yeah, like okay, like uh, like to to my to my older audience, like this fucking crypt keeper ass motherfucker got Captain Kangaroo involved. I don't know who that fuck that is. Like this he kind mother- of looks
2: like Gova yeah. Well, that's something I wrote down as well. He has a fucking is large Captain forehead. Kangaroo. Who is Captain Kangaroo? Do you know who I, Captain Kangaroo is?
1: All I remember <laughs> before you know we've gone off the fucking rails, like, <laughs> Ca- Captain off. Kangaroo is like a television show that aired in America right. from like the 50s to the 80s. I'm, I'm assuming it's like Mr. Rogers sort of thing. Yeah. Right. And so, like, this, this fucking retard, Joe Lieberman, you know, from Connecticut, the worst fucking state in the country, r- home of John Dio's, like, like, Sickos. literally fucking retard fucking faggots, like, like, Joe Lieberman, this fucking cryptkeeper motherfucker, who, like, I don't even, he clearly, Democrats. Never, <laughs> libtard like
2: the Tarded
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, okay, okay. As I said it like at the early episode, no, literally everyone in this fucking hearing are fucking libtards Like they, they they're they, all they, libtards. They they literally repeat the exact same talking points. Well
2: something I said on like Jack Show is like I had this idea in my head based on like media and everything surrounding Gen X media, everything surrounding it, that evangelicals were responsible for like this entire period of censorship. That was evangelicals, evangelical Christians that were inundating, like, that were like complaining, that were on the outset. It was like right-wing evangelical Christians that were responsible for this. But actually like looking at it, and this and even in the australian context it's always the left-wing side of co- no, politics it, you know what actually it's... the ones who are pursuing this and are so sort of hell-bent on like censorship. censorship like joe lieberman says in the hearing if we can't like get them to stop producing the start of this type of material we will do anything we can to suppress it yep. but like they absolute priority is censorship across the board and it's bizarre to me that i ever had in my head <laughs> this idea that it was anyone else but them it was it, always it, them <laughs>
1: uh, like okay so uh, excuse me um like okay so like leave okay so i'm looking at the senate hearing for this game like the senate hearing Because the Senate Earring has its own Wikipedia page. It's like, (laughs) of Night Trap, Lieberman says... I looked at the game too, and there was a classic. It ends with this attack scene on this woman in lingerie in her bathroom. I knew the creator of this game said it was meant to be a satire of Dracula, but nonetheless, (laughs) I thought it sent out the wrong message. Few parents would buy this game for their kids if they knew what was in them. We're talking about video games that glorify violence and teach children to enjoy inflicting the most gruesome forms of cruelty imaginable. Uh, Like, uh, Lieberman sub- subsqu- stated that while he liked to ban all violent video games, he knew that he would conflict with the First Amendment. It's like, bitch, are you fucking kidding me? If you listen to this hearing, <laughs> they clearly as fuck wanted to just ban violent video they games. They
2: really like they hell bent on wanting censorship. Yeah, like because they because they was... want they want to blame anything else. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> Well they wanna blame anything else. But nakers. <laughs> fucking... Wait, okay. Should I include that? Whole, do you, do you want that thing.
1: do you want that uncensored or do you not? Do you want me to censor that? Because I have to remember what the fuck I have to rem- oh my god, I have to remember the time for that word. Oh my god No. I'll clap. <laughs> That's when I say
2: the N word. No, okay. But the whole thing, the whole thing is like there's a violent epidemic. There's an epidemic of violence among children. But the thing is, that's not due to video games. That's no, not it's... due to video games. It's due to black people. Like, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> the reason, like, the violence is like emerging as it's like, total, totalizing epidemic. In the late nineties, or in the middle to late eighties, it's, it's, it's black it's people. All, it's all, it's <laughs> like they like... don't want to admit it. They don't want to no, admit no, it. it's like it's always I'm about like... diversions. It's always about <laughs> and fucking... they don't want to admit it. it's about black people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, okay. Uh, uh. <laughs> Apologies,
2: you're not on patreon yet so you no, can't we're be not there on anymore.
1: patreon but i am consulting my 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 podcast people uh as as <laughs> i'm watching zach type out a message right now do i censor alex saying you know the forbidden word <laughs> <laughs> But okay, my my, my, oh okay, my, my, my audience is mostly like right-wing people, I think. I think. I think. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if they would care about the N-word, but like, who fucking cares? We're, we you are drunk off our minds about Night Trap. About Night Trap? Night oh,
2: Trap? Can you believe? Night
1: Trap. <laughs> Night trap, the boy will <laughs> find trap. you. Night trap, watch out behind you. <laughs> night trap. <laughs> like the, okay, like, but, but for, for real, no, like, night. Okay, but like, honestly, night trap <laughs> of all fucking games of all games caused the create. I mean, I know that like Australia uh, has like a separate rating system, but like night trap along with mortal Kombat, created the esrb night trap of all fucking
2: games like let me get into that quickly like
1: oh yeah i want to hear the night the australian rating because australia is noted specifically for like being extremely harsh on like censorship and ratings
2: Right, we, were like, we are like very sensorial from the outset in terms of all media, in terms of movies, in terms of television, we still have various movies that are banned outright in Australia, like Ken Park, like Salo, like Bays And this is something like I've always been interested in. This is probably like the reason that Night Trap has popped up in my you know, um, perspective in my review or whatever. But Night Trap was, like, in the same realm as the U.S., the precipitative factor to getting games rated as akin to movies. But, but the difference between America and Australia is obviously America has, like, embedded into its Bill of Rights a freedom of speech. So, like, all the movie ratings and all the video game ratings are self regulated. So they're regulated within the video game industry and they're regulated within the film industry. And technically, on the outset, they are voluntary in the terms of that, like, you don't need to get your video game rated in order to get it released, you don't need to get your movie rated in order to get it released. But at the same time, the distributors, the exhibitors, everyone involved in being able to have you see a movie or play a game is embedded in the system. So there's no like, there's no actual real choice. You have to be, you have to actually get your game rated. You have to actually get your movie rated in order to get it released. But in Australia, it's government regulated because we do not have a bill of rights that enshrines freedom of speech as a value. We do not have that. We do not have that as a value. That's something I obviously (laughs) believe in as a value, freedom of speech. But that is not something that exists in Australia. So when Night Trap was released, well, it wasn't released. That's the thing. It was pulled from the market when controversy arose in America, because there's such a huge delay between releasing things in America and in the UK, and in Australia, it was pulled for the market, it was never released in Australia, based on the sort of precipitation of an Australian rating system, that Australia would adapt the government regulated rating system for video games, with the knowledge that, um, that you know, video games take a long time to rate and, you know, everything else that was proposed as sort of limitations towards video games being rated in the U S so it wasn't So night trap. Basically night trap wasn't released until 1995 because that was how long it took for like night trap to work its way through the sort of government regulated you know hearings and press releases and blah 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 everything else everything government regulated takes a fucking thousand years okay so it took two years to release night trap in australia and by that point in time it was only rated m because which is like 17 in america well in america it's like pg-13 it's like teen rated m um ma15 plus would be you know, 15 plus, and for a long time, up until like, you know, oh, like five, so drunk. 10 years ago, <laughs> five, 10 years ago, there wouldn't be any sort of restricted reigning. That was the whole thing about video games. Video games were made for children. Oh, so, 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 so so they, they shouldn't, shouldn't exist an 18 plus video game. they're pornographic video games or if they're violent video games they should not exist because games shouldn't be made not for children so there is no 18 plus rating so if anything is unsuitable for above 15 years of age it does not exist so we had a very sort of sensorial banning regime on video games that came to a head with hotline Miami too, basically that's where the fucking rape
1: scene in that game. Yeah.
2: But like night trap, wasn't that big of a deal when it actually like worked its way through the Australian rating system. Um, but that night trap was the thing that actually precipitated games integration into the Australian rating system. And I forgot your original question. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Okay, yeah,
0: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Like Night Trap, Night Trap, when it actually passes through like a regulatory body, people realize it's not.
1: Well, you know, you know, what's That's funny. It. It's like, in America, the game, because Sega, Sega had like to sort of get ahead of the government here. Is that they created their own sort of like internal <clears throat> rating system thing. And so they've slapped the game with an MA... I think it was called MA17, which was basically like today's M rating or something. Um, but like you look at the 25th anniversary and it's rated teen. It's yeah. rated teen for teenagers. Because you know what? You know what? It's... you know you, Cause you know, does Australia does it like list on the box of games like why it's rated like the way it is?
2: I think so. I
1: think okay. So in America, because... in America, in America, Night Trap is rated. Its original version was rated MA seventeen because of realistic violence. <laughs> but like, okay, and, and that's a. I don't want to get. Cause I'm fucking off my rockers. I don't care. I'm, I am living for this episode. I, I before I, for, before I forget, like, oh my god, thank you, thank, you, thank you so much. This is exactly what I wanted from this episode. Oh, no, thank you. No, thank but you. okay, but, but, but this is such a fucking good time. But but to get to the point, like, so like you know the original, <laughs> you know the original Halo, like the Halo one. Yeah. 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 It's, but you, but you know, like the general concept, it's like Space Marines mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. fighting aliens. The original Halo was rated M. Hold on, mm-hmm. I have, I have the original Halo. If I can grab it, this is some real third place shit right now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm throwing game disc out the car, uh, boxes out of my shelf for a bit. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so you want to know why uh, the original Halo is rated M for wow. blood and gore and violence? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I the fucking the the twenty fifth anniversary of Night Trap is teen, teen for teenagers. Like these fucking retard[s] couldn't just That's like the whole funny the whole funny
2: thing about like. Night Trap in Australia precipitates the entire idea of regulating video games. And then once that's put in place, Night Trap works its way through this regulatory system and comes out with an M rating, which is like the equivalent of a teen rating like this is such like, (laughs) when people actually play this game, they realize it's such a nonsense that like, this was ever like, at all controversial.
1: That's like, these. Uh, you and I were texting this probably like two days ago, because, mind you, I want to say, uh, to third place us aw- listeners, I'm, I'm off. I I've lost the fucking plot right now. I don't care. This is real this is third place hours. This is Tears. gang. <laughs> yeah, cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> I'm on like the last I still have two margaritas. I don't know if I'm gonna get that like <laughs> but um like okay, what was I saying? um, like i you and I were talking was it like two days ago about how like ratings boards are fucking useless yeah. like i I, I feel on? like. Sega at the time, I think, did exactly what you needed to do, which was like the publisher says, mm-hmm. like this game is for adults. Now, granted, yeah. Night Trap is not for Night Trap yeah. is for teenagers. <laughs> like, I, granted, I think Night Trap is for everyone. E- time Night Night Trap is E for rated E for everyone. I don't care. <laughs> like you have, like, like I, I it's like I, I just like, what does night trap have that is so controversial? Oh, the bathroom Nothing. scene, give me a Nothing. fucking, give me a fucking whole break. Thing? Like,
2: I think night trap puts in a very stark perspective that ratings boards do not need to exist because ratings boards like have this Like the best argument you can make from my perspective in terms of an anti-sensorial perspective is that ratings boards mitigate the sensorial impulse in that they like place sort of limitations upon certain types of games and that way you don't need to censor anything because this is rated PG and this is rated M and this is rated, you know, restricted or whatever else. Um, so you don't need to censor anything because everything's put in its right place, and adults know where things should be, and parents know where things should be, but the reality is that raining boards are like, in and of themselves, sensorial objects, like as you said. Night trap is E for everybody, because (laughs) it's not T for teen, it's E for everybody. And like most games are E for everybody because fucking children can figure out when something is real and when something is in a video game and like opposite to what they argue about, like interactivity, creating this sort of um, you know, immersion within a video game. I think it's the complete opposite insofar as interactivity sort of creates this, you know, divide if you're able to interact with a video game in the way you're able to interact with any video game in controlling the characters and controlling the perspective, you know, it's not real, you know, it's not real, because you don't have that level of interactivity over real life over real life you only have impulse and sort of momentary actions you like instantly regret in video games you have this interactivity that you know is not real and i think teenagers and even small children understand inherently that that's not real And the idea of restricting video games based on a rating system based on a rating system, which necessarily, you know, corrals video games into certain positions and censors censors them based on certain positions. And you see this thing happening all the time in movies, all the time in movies, especially within an Australian context where this is all government regulated and there's no way around it. Like, technically, the ASRB and the MPAA are voluntary, but in the Australian system, it's all, like, you know, harshly regulated. You cannot get a film released if it is, you know, not within the bounds of our rating system. Um, you see censorship rampant. Like, films are rampantly censored based on getting a certain rating. Um, so, yeah, the rating sport is not a way of preventing censorship. It's a way of, like, corralling... Media into these categories, which creates a sort of certain. Excuse me, sorry. Certain, certain self censorship. I've been rambling. I don't know what point I'm getting to. But expect, complete especially sense to in, Amer- in, in, in American context, we have a like constitutional freedom of speech. The only thing they can do in America is force people to self censor. So you need that self regulation, which is why you get to the ESRB, which is a self regulatory body, where you know, it's not meant to be sensorial because there's a ratings that warns parents about what is inappropriate, but obviously it is censorial because you want to get in a certain ratings to be as broadly accessible as possible. And if you end up with an adult Tony rating, you cannot be sold in any media, which is censorship in and of it itself. It's twirl, Mega. mother twirl,
1: twirl, mother twirl. Okay. I'm
2: fucking so fucking pissed. <laughs> I Listen,
1: okay. Because I have to piss like a fucking <laughs> geyser right now. I think you honestly capped off this episode perfectly. I like the the main takeaway I want to say from...
2: What are we talking about? Night Trap?
1: Night Trap? Something? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, have you seen the,
2: Stenholz Syndrome?
1: No, I haven't.
2: agento Argento Stenholz Syndrome? Should, Should I, I watch?
1: Okay, Yeah. oh Because I think
2: that exists in the realm of Night Trap and exists in the realm of Phantasmagoria, where it has a sort of like, you know, like fantasy. Fantasy exists as this idea, but fantasy in the sort of CGI realm, in the digital realm, exists as this extra idea. And Stenhol Syndrome, the film, <laughs> and Phantasmagoria, the video game, has a sort of like weird sort of what if a digital character existed in the digital realm.
1: Yeah. So yeah. No, uh, not- but okay, <laughs> but because I have to piss like a fucking geyser right now, and I think you perfectly ended this episode. I think uh uh ratings boards are fucking garbage. Uh Alex thinks uh, yeah Alex thinks grading boards are garbage and all I can say right now is I think I can't thank Alex enough I can't thank you enough Alex for tonight this is exactly what I wanted for tonight so thank you so much
2: thank you for inviting me on this has been a (laughs) bunch of fucking seriously thank you it's um, been a real privilege to actually exp- talk with you because I've heard you on all these podcasts. I and I knew you would do something fucking fantastic oh God, I, with a place. So bad. I knew you would. <laughs> I, knew you would I, do I can't leave right now, dude. I have to piss podcast. so bad, but I have to close this episode out.
1: <laughs> okay, but no, I love you, Alex. Seriously, I you're love like, you too. You're like this my best friend amazing. ever. You're like my best friend ever, and. Uh, thank you, everyone who listened. I love you all. <laughs> thank you. Good night. I you good night. <laughs> okay, we're cutting it there.